Okay, guys. Are we ready to play the only Final Fantasy on the GameCube? Sure are. Yeah, let's do it! Hey, guys, I want to join in. Oh, man. Well, I don't have a fourth GameCube controller ready. Uh, hold on, let me go look for it real quick. Great, let's do this thing. Wait, guys, I need a special link to my GBA, don't I? The regular Pokemon cable won't do. Yeah, yeah, you do. Only stores don't carry it anymore. Time to eBay that. So, we're ready now. After three days, waiting for the mail to get the cable. Alright? Uh, actually, no. See, I've got an original GBA, and I can't see it with this fluorescent light. Well, okay then. Let's just move the TV somewhere else. It's faster than trying to find a new GBA. Okay, everyone, it's taken a week of waiting, but we're finally ready. Time to play this sucker. Now, hold on, that's funny. I want the disc load. Uh oh, something's wrong here. Nintendo games stay good forever. No, Square Enix put in a kill code if you keep the power on for more than a day without hitting start? Why? On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 55, The Dark Crystal Chronicles. I am your host, Phil Willis. My good friend and partner, Mr. Minky, could not make it here tonight physically, but he is here with us in spirit. In his steed, stead, something, I have two other people who will pretend to be my co-host tonight. First up, Mr. Michael Cunningham. Since I have hosted this before, I guess I can be a co-host, but I can't rattle off random movie references like Mike can, so I doubt I'll be as good as him. <laughs> and coming back for like the 18th time, Ms. Cassandra Ramos. It's been, what, the 4th or 5th? <laughs> that long. Pretty sure it's the 18th time. I'm sure we have that in the database somewhere. We can look that up. So, We're on 55 episodes already? Congratulations. 55, man. I feel so old and gray. Yeah, oh my man. Gosh, it's all downhill once you hit 55. Holy cow. I only did 10 of them. <laughs> we're going to like... We're going to like... Imagine <laughs> 40 more. Well, that's right. We, we have, Minky and I have done 40... Well, he's done like 46, 47, because he was on some of the old ones, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. He came on a couple of Shining Force, the first one we got him on. I guess that's what kind of drug him into the site. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I think Mickey and I have probably done each about 45 since. I've, I've only missed one show that I had Chris record, and uh, when my computer had a virus, and Mickey's missed a, a couple, so we're kind of neck and neck, probably. 45, and I think we have to die when we're 80, right? Is that the way it works? Something like 70 that. to 80? You can't. Uh, the clock does not go over 99, so as long as you get close to that, you should be good. Oh, yeah. If we go over 99, who will put that extra digit in these things? Holy cow. So we're going to be talking about a, well, we're going to be going through a gauntlet of Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles games this evening. I doubt we're going to have any time for anything else with this long list of games that we have to play. So without further delay, we're going to let our audience listen to some wonderful Crystal Chronicles music. We'll be right back. Mm -hmm. 
Okie dokie. So we are talking about Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, uh, a whole bunch of games, but we're going to start off with the original one that was just called Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, developed by the Game Designer Studio, published by Nintendo. Uh, this is a Nintendo GameCube release. And it was released on February 9th, 2004 here in North America. This is a single-player and multiplayer action RPG experience rated T. But what's that T stand for? Who wants to start? T for Texas. <laughs> well, usually I say terrific or terrible. I'm trying to... <laughs> Tedioker? I'm going <laughs> to go with Texas because you had to have, like, the amount of friends is the population of Texas in order to be able to play this multiplayer. So in order to have a chance of possibly playing it multiplayer. There you go. Well, and whole, and did you have that many friends, Mr. Cunningham? Oh, God, no. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> right. I work for an RPG website and play role-playing games. I mean, do we have friends, really? Oh, my goodness. You know, let's, let's perpetuate that stereotype. Just to get just to get enough people to play a Pathfinder game together, I have to get people from like four different states online at the same time. I, I can't get four people on my GameCube at the same time. Yeah, it, it goes deeper than that, too. And since there's just a couple of us, um, feel free to um, interrupt me at any time. Uh, Miss, Miss Ramos, do you have any experience with this one? Uh, plenty. Uh, most I've only ha- did four player maybe twice. The second time was in college, back in college, just for a spur of moment thing. Most of the time I just played with my sister oh, uh, for oh. most of the game, and rarely by myself actually, usually with her because it's actually terribly dull by yourself. <laughs> okay. Well, that's uh, that that's a yeah that's 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 an important point. So you're going to be able to compare and contrast notes with myself and uh, probably Mr. Cunningham here because it sounds like we are more of a single player experience. So um, let's start off with the uh, let's start off with uh, as we always do with the story. What's the story behind Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles? Okay. Well, uh, I guess one thing I wanted to touch on, I'll let Sandra or Cassandra touch on the story, is the development of this game. I know you said it was by the Game Designer Studio. I just wanted to at least touch on that, and then I'll let her have the floor for the the whole story aspect. They're like a shell corporation of Square Enix, or they were, of one of their product divisions. And they were pretty much commissioned by Nintendo, from what I've heard, to make this game because they wanted something that would incorporate GameCube and Game Boy Advance compatibility. And that's how all the multiplayer stuff worked. So that's... You know, if you noticed, as far as developer gets go, the game designer studio or whatever kind of silly name that is, that's kind of where that came from. Sorry to interrupt. I just ah, that's all right. Wanted, wanted to touch on that real quick. So go ahead, Cassandra. Take us so, away. Uh, well, it's supposedly some point in the past. They none of the games ever point, touch upon how long this period lasted. Uh, miasma, like this poisonous mist, covered the, the entire planet, and the only people who survived were the ones who lived closest to uh, these enormous crystals that produced an aura that dispensed the miasma. And they managed to rebuild, except uh, the, every, every year these crystals had to be renewed with a substance called myrrh, only produced by trees, called myrrh trees creatively. So, you know, every year they have to send out a caravan of young people. For some reason they had to be, like, apparently... Uh, between the ages of maybe 15 and 25, I guess. <laughs> Go figure. And they set off to uh, look for this myrrh, 
because of course the trees only grow in monster infested areas you know because that's how the things go and the monsters tend to love the miasma so yeah most of the game is just kind of you by yourself or if you're lucky enough your friends or siblings collecting myrrh from trees but eventually you kind of pick up on the game like the game world's history and lore through by meeting people there, by going to towns, and even by going to the uh, dungeons that have it. And eventually you find the means to enter the place where the uh, miasma is being produced. Uh, I don't know if I should touch upon the ending or not. Let me go to that to later. <laughs> oh, no, go right ahead. Knock yourself right out. Okay, well then, as I said, you had to eventually cover a, a riddle that allowed you to enter enter through this uh, miasma stream, because throughout the planet, there are these, uh, well, it means just the continent, I'm not really sure how widespread this was. Uh, there's these uh, long streams of miasma that you can only cross if you're crystal chalice, which is the, the bucket that everybody associates the game with, basically. <laughs> it's called the crystal chalice, officially. And you had, to, uh, you had to carry this with the myrrh, and also you could change its element by going to certain points on uh, certain dungeons. could change it to frankincense. Yeah, <laughs> well, Earth, you know, the, the four, uh, you know, Earth, Water, Wind, Fire, and such. But you had to get oh. the special fifth element, which was unknown, which I assume is light, I don't know. Uh, heart. <laughs> if you've oh, ever seen Captain Planet, come on. Of course. Of course. So you had to get the heart element from the desert, and once you did, you can finally enter the last area of the uh, of the world. And you, when you go through the dungeon, you find the creature that's been producing the miasma this whole time, called the Meteor Parasite. Once you defeat it, however, you get summoned to this weird place by a, a creature, a being called, um, well, actually the first being that you encounter is Mio. She calls herself the Queen of Reflection, and she says that her, her, um, like her point is she exists to sort of gnaw, nibble away at uh, unnecessary memories so that you can encourage people to create new ones. I guess she's the reason you can't remember what she had for dinner the, you know, last month or something. <laughs> But she has a negative counterpart that was born after the uh, miasma arrives called Rain. And he's the one who's been basically manipulating the world and keeping it in a state of miasma and keeping the meteor parasite alive so that he could, because he uh, grows in power from the miasma and he devours memories whole. And he especially loves painful, tragic memories the most. So, yeah, They're part tasty. If you're a gigantic metallic phoenix, I guess. <laughs> Apparently. Yeah, so then, yeah, you, met, you defeat him, and you defeat a second form after he merges with Mio. Once that's done, the both of them disappear, but Mio says that they will sleep for a time and eventually return. I have yet to see the game where they've returned. <laughs> and, you know, the miasma is dispensed, and everybody's happy. <laughs> Yay! Uh, okay. <laughs> I, I, I am very proud of you, Cassandra, because <laughs> it's just, yeah, I didn't remember any of that when I was playing back in the day. Um, I could have probably played through the whole game and still not remembered all of that. About no, people. not really, yeah. I, was, <laughs> I, I wish really I could say I remembered much. I was really fascinated by the game story and, like, lore, because it's not like, it's not handed to you on a, you know, on a plate like most uh, Japanese RPGs. You kind of had to, you know, uh, ferret it out, if you will, by talking to people, by encountering certain special areas, and then eventually you kind of learn more about the world and more about the history and you find out about the you know Mio and about Rain even though they it kind of seems like they're throwing at you at the last second but by going to certain plats you can learn a little bit about them beforehand so I again I find that fairly interesting which is why the game is while it's not a well it's not the best game I've ever played and I consider it very very low on my list of favorites 
it's still oddly memorable to me because of that. Hmm. So uh, let's move on to how the game plays. Uh, let's start with maybe some interaction and stuff before we hit into combat. How does exploration and interaction work in this title? Well, um, I was going to say one thing. I think uh, we might have a third party willing to join us at this point um, that might be able to enlighten us a little more on the Crystal Chronicles side. Oh, uh, yeah, it'll take me a minute to keep in. Just keep on talking. <laughs> I'm already working well, on it. One thing as far as the interaction goes is the multiplayer, and feel free to correct, did you play it multiplayer at all, Cassandra? Uh, yes, in fact, I mostly played it multiplayer, usually, but usually just with my sister, rarely with a third friend, and once or twice with uh, two three other friends. So in order to play it multiplayer, each player had to have a Game Boy Advance and the Game Boy Advance cable. Yeah. And if you know anything about that, that's not the most, you know, awesome thing to be able to set up. You know, a, a lot of people probably had Game Boy and Game Boy Advance at the time, but having to have the the link cable, having to have everybody that was playing have a Game Boy Advance there. You couldn't just use the controllers, even though the GameCube had four controller ports, and a lot of people that were playing, you know, Mario Kart or whatever probably had extra controllers. No, you couldn't do it multiplayer without Game Boy Advance. So I actually ended up buying an extra control or an extra link cable, or two link cables actually, and one of my friends and I tried to play it, and we ended up playing maybe 20 minutes and he got bored, so he's like, I'm never playing this again. So that's about the extent of my multiplayer experience with this game. <laughs> well, maybe we have a different perspective. Mr. Apps, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing this evening? Pretty good. Are you ready to talk about Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles and all of its various successors? Absolutely. All righty. So... Do you have any thoughts about Mr. about what Mr. Cunningham was saying about Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles multiplayer link cable Game Boy action? Uh, the setup was insane, but if you could find four people that actually wanted to play, it was a lot of fun. Did you have four people who were willing to play? Luckily, I did. Woo! Wow. Both of y'all sure. lucky, lucky dogs. I thought I was lucky yeah, just to have my sister to play most of the time. Did you have four people playing total, Mike? Yeah. Oh. Beautiful group. Did you like pay these people to come over? Or was <laughs> <they your friends>? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, now my my friend actually had two Game Boy Advances, so that's nice. And I had one, so we then we only needed one other person that had one. So you like hunted down? I think he actually bought all the link cables too. <clears throat> So, being that you were able to play with the setup that they required, let me ask you a question. Uh, do you feel that that really was conducive, having to you know use those Game Boys uh, to that experience, or was this something that could have just easily been achieved with using controllers? They should have had the option to use just controllers. Mm. What do you, it would have been a heck of a lot more fun because playing it single player is an absolute bore. 
Yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. I mean, it's, it's, the problem is that the game is absolutely, absolutely toned to being multiplayer. And to restrict it to a con- con- control scheme that makes that really hard to do, it's kind of bad. Yeah. Ridiculous. Well, Ridiculous is the well word you're of many people Ridiculous. Wasn't the story behind this that this was that uh, something about Nintendo had a contract with Square Enix? And uh, Sony is Square Enix had a contract with Sony. Uh-huh. So Nintendo got with Square, and Square created the shell company, the game development, whatever they're called, and that, or the game designer studio, and they were able to make this one game without causing too much uproar on the. Sony side, I guess, or it was right along the time to where everything kind of fell apart with exclusive exclusivity, and they were able to get this one made and started doing other stuff for Nintendo kind of after that. So, uh, Cassandra, since you got to play with mostly your sister and you didn't have a full-fledged party of four people, was it still a, a compelling and fun experience with just oh, yeah. two? It was. It still was. As long as you have at least one other person, the game is plenty of fun. Because you can. Uh, well, getting it gets into the battle system a bit. Because uh, one of the one of the things that they found most interest, like most fun, was uh, combining spells in order to uh, make them more powerful. Because you basically you have to you have to uh, cast them at the same time, and then you have to lock the rings together, focus it on the opponent, and then let it go. There was some timing thing I never quite got down. Like if you waited a certain amount of seconds, you can create a stronger spell, but you didn't really need it because most of the times the enemies fell just to that. And obviously it was just, you know, you had to uh, stand on certain switches here or look for the uh, a key there and such. But, you know, it's always this back and forth banter plus another person to kind of discuss the, how the, you know, the, the story goes or how, how quirky some of the NPCs were and such. Hmm. I would like what to... Did you all, what did you all think about the characters? The classes or the oh, races? Oh, the uh, four tribes. Yes. Yes, there was the uh, Clavots, which looked like your everyday normal humans. You had the Selkies, which were also mostly normal human, except they were a bit more, like, they were more, they were more slender, they were more leaf. And they had unusual hair colors. They had, like, blue, silver, purple, green, uh, red, even though that's not technically unusual. And they also wore, uh, they wore, they wore furs. The, and they had the uh, Lilties, which kind of looked like, uh, plant people. They were short. They looked like children most of the time, even the adults. And they had, like, leaves sprouting out of their heads, and their heads kind of looked vaguely like an onion. And the final ones were the youths, the magic youths, which kind of looked like these tall bird men, but their heads are encased in this helmet that you cannot see. And supposedly, uh, either if you... Supposedly no one's ever seen the true face of a youth, and either they... I don't know... How do they put this? Either they're just like souls inhabiting a body, or they created those bodies specifically to enhance their magic according to lore. I, you know, that's just what the people in the game say. So yeah, the Clavots were uh, mostly were, were the well-rounded ones. You know, the ones who good for starters. The Selkies were good at speed and uh, had a ill reputation for being thieves. The Lilties were the physically strongest, and again, the Yukes are the magic users. Mm-hmm. I mostly went with the uh, Selkies because. When it comes to like those sorts of uh, action RPGs, I really love speedy, agile characters. So I always went with a Selkie. Yeah. Anybody else? 
Your tribe? I always went with the Ukes. I thought they had the coolest uh, character designs. Whereas the others looked somewhat similar. I think I went with the Selkies most of the time. I could not go... I, I don't think I ever really played with the Ukes at all. I don't know if maybe I'm racist against them or something. I just didn't <laughs> like the design. <laughs> and the Lilties, Lilties or whatever, I, I didn't like those at all either. I'm very discriminatory, apparently. <laughs> you don't like the onion heads? No. They just... I don't know, they reminded me of, like, happy dwarves, and dwarves don't... They're not supposed to be happy. <laughs> they supposed to be mean and drink a lot. Hi, highly ho or whatever? Come on, now. Yeah, see, they dwarves were rough can be, dwarves can be... ho Yeah, you know, dwarves can be very happy. Hi, they, they sing when they go to work. Hi ho, hi ho. I'm sorry. You're going to tell me that's a Burley song? It's <sighs> off to work we go. Did you see how they were all like, they were drooling all over Snow White? They were so, sw I'm sorry, I digress. Yes, I think Cassandra was going to say something like interesting. <laughs> I was just trying to say that the uh, Lilties were supposedly the most hot-headed, and in the past were a bit more discriminatory against the other three tribes, especially the Ukes, because I guess, you know, physical magic, you know, physical um, bruisers versus magic users, those two have to fight, you know? <laughs> Oh, yeah. And they allegedly, you know, according to the lore, they ruled the world for, you know, some, I don't know how many years beforehand until the uh, the mines that they used to, like, I, I guess it's for commerce. Once they, they ran out of I, a lot of iron, they could no longer hold up their empire, so it kind of slowly fell away, and now it's just, you know, separate cities and such. So, again, it's, I, I'm actually, I'm weirdly fascinated by this game, by this series of history, really, including the first game. Totally understandable. There is a there's a lot to it for sure and if if you really dig in and kind of grasp hold of that kind of stuff it definitely had it absolutely I mean even if you didn't pay too much attention um, you had a feeling going to through the, some of the different dungeons and that there was a, a lot of character to the world that uh, you could really dig into if you wanted to which was kind of hard to do in multiplayer because nobody was really interested in doing that yeah, it seems kind of like a diametric opposite as far as the way the game plays. You have, you know, the option of going full-on multiplayer, and it turns into something where it's more of a social experience. And nobody's really caring about what's going on. Nobody wants to read dialogue or have cutscenes during that. And then you, on the other hand, have, you know, the single player, which was maybe full of story and all that, but kind of painful to play by yourself, so... <laughs> I guess it's lucky to play with just other one other person. Like, but again, she's also almost as interested in the lore of these things than I am. So, almost, yeah. not as much. And I'm pretty sure she's forgotten most of it by now. <laughs> years ago. I'm amazed I still remember as much as I do. Definitely impressive on that. Yeah, you're not the only one. I'm impressed, too. <laughs> Holy cow. Shoot. Yeah. So, any other thoughts you all would like to share about this one, Crystal Chronicles? This has the best music, the most fitting music I've heard in a video game so far. 
it is just so incredibly just beautiful and intricate because uh, the, what the music is made up of what they call they, they, they call them quote unquote ancient instruments what they are is um, various instruments from the medieval and renaissance periods and I believe these are like actual live recordings these aren't you know synths or what have you uh, it was composed by Kumi Tanioka and again it, it, it sounds so much like the music actually comes from the game world like it was composed by the people of the world and they use it for their festivals and whatnot. And, you know, not just that it was, you know, created by some outsider. And because it's just, you know, you've got, it's got, it's a very Celtic feel. And the whole game actually has this very Celtic feel to it. Uh, the Selkies are based on a... Are you purring? <laughs> Who is purring? <laughs> Sorry, I just could have swore I heard a cat purring. <laughs> Okay. So Crystal you, Chronicles makes me happy too. <laughs> so you were saying, Cassandra? You think it's really good. It sounds Celtic, and the game itself is very Celtic because there's some references to, uh, you know, there's some Celtic references. The Selkies are uh, based on a Celtic, mythological Celtic creature, except they just, just mostly in name, not really in what they are. Uh, and uh, yeah, I. Very, very good. Just, you know, definitely listen to some if you ever get the chance to. Fair enough. Anything else? I think she pretty much covered it all. Soundtrack is brilliant. <laughs> so let's move from the GameCube over to the Wii. More specifically, some WiiWare. Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles My Life as a King. This was developed by Square Enix and. This is uh, WiiWare, as I mentioned, a WiiWare title. Released here in North America on May 12, 2008. This is a city-building single-player RPG uh, for, <laughs> for you and your entire family because it is rated E for everyone. So, who wants to talk about the city-building RPG? Not everybody at once, though. We need to take turns. The two WiiWare games are the only ones I haven't played. Okay, so... so uh, what should I start with? <laughs> so, so what, what, what's, the, what's the story? What's the game about? The premise. It takes place shortly after the end of the original Crystal Chronicles. The miasma has been dispelled. And uh, like the, the, the boy who, who would be king of this kingdom that was lost to the miasma starts to rebuild his kingdom, basically. And so you have to... So he, uh, he, he, he gets a magic power called Architect. It's spelled with a T-E-K-T, if I remember correctly. And he uses this power in order to build buildings. And he sends out adventurers to go find uh, money and resources and such so he can continue building a city. Hmm. Well, that makes sense. We need money to build a city. It's not free. Alrighty. So what's the game played like? How do you go about building your city? Uh, it's been a little while since I played. So, as I said, you 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 build you build houses, you build a, a guild, you send out adventurers who would to various points on the map, and you, while you waited for them to go fight monsters and bring money and stuff back, you and bring resources back, you walked around town, building more buildings. You had to talk to people, and they gave you. Uh, like they they gave you I guess taxes I guess so you can have more money to help work with, mm -hmm. and you just continue doing this day in day out until you get to the end of the game. 
it it's not it's a it's pretty addictive when you first start it, but eventually it does kind of wear like wear itself out when you don't have many more buildings left to build, and all you're doing is essentially wandering around town, talking to the citizens, waiting for your adventures to come back. Yeah. Well, and 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 uh, you know it's kind of interesting because uh, there was a range of reviews on this particular title, going all the way from uh, a five out of ten on uh, GameSpot, all the way up to a four and a half out of five on GamePro. It seemed to be pretty polarizing. Hmm. Well, I can see because yeah, it can wear itself out pretty quickly if you know if I, if you're not a patient person. I just it, it would it eventually I just kind of waited for those last couple of I don't know like hour or so waiting for. Uh, the game to finally end as I waited for my adventurers to beat the last boss and such. Because that's kind of also the, the dull part. You send your adventurers out, but you don't get to see them fight monsters and fight bosses. You just kind of wait till they come back and get a report on how well they've done. Meanwhile, all you're doing is making your king walk around and talk to your citizens. <laughs> that does sound kind of bored. The heroes are all out there having fun. And you're stuck at home in your kingdom talking to your people. <laughs> oh, you're a king, but I you know, it's not exactly, I guess, fun <laughs> that way. Yeah. I mean, the building is fun. The building is a lot of fun. But like I said, once you've built most of the buildings and shops you can, there's not much left to do. Sounds a little bit like uh, The Sims Medieval, uh, a little bit anyways. Uh, but uh, but I guess there's no fast forward button to rush through the boring parts. You just got to sit there and take it like a, like a trooper. Pretty much. I mean, the days are relatively short, but still, you're going to be sitting there. Like, the last hour is going to feel a bit like a, a bit of a slog. At least that was my experience, anyway. Hmm. Well, I can understand that. Uh, so, the graphics look kind of pretty on it for the Wii. Not too bad. Kind of got that cutesy, cartoony look to it. Pretty much identical to the uh, first Crystal Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Except they, their lips didn't move like in the first game, but yeah. That's just me. Uh, how is the music on this one, Cassandra? Nowhere near as memorable or good. I mean, it's the same composer, but uh, they, it's like it's pretty forgettable, and there weren't even any remixes from the first game. I was disappointed. How much was it? Ten, fifteen bucks? Uh, Probably still in the Wii store, but usually those games are in the area of ten to fifteen bucks. I think it was closer to fifteen than ten. I don't remember. Plus, if you wanted to have more than one race you had to buy uh your dlc for that oh microtransactions how cute yeah, nice i mean and i went for that because i'm a dork and i absolutely wanted to have all the four tribes there not just sell me out clavats well we'll definitely be bringing that up again on the next title too <laughs> darn microtransactions i got microtransaction bitterness um and i'll say why but um uh, would would you recommend this game to other people? Because I haven't touched it at all. I have no idea where to go on that. Uh, good question. Maybe if you're as much of a dork about the Crystal Chronicles games as I am, but by itself, maybe just get the base game. Don't get the DLC because it's again, it's pretty, it's pretty addictive. Before it gets to that final, you know, final hour or so of gameplay, and yeah, it's not. It's actually pretty fun for that. For most of that time, but again, unless you're a dork like me, you don't don't bother getting the DLC unless you really, really want that much variety in the tribes or something. Okie doke. So, with that in mind, let us quickly and hastily and fastly and everything else move on to the third title on our list for this evening, 
Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles My Life as a Dark Lord, once again developed by Square Enix. This WiiWare title was released on July 17, 2009. This is a tower defense single-player RPG hybrid rated E10. 10 being for how many DLCs you have to buy and download in order to beat the game. <laughs> I, I, so I, I actually did get this one. I love tower defense games and the idea that you are basically uh, building a, a tower by the floor in order to uh, hold off waves of attacking uh, good guys kind of appealed to me, especially when those good guys are familiar characters such as, you know, black mages and the such. Did anybody else play this guy? I did. Oh, goody. You, you probably, you, you seem to be really good with, with details, so you'll probably be able to fill in. Uh, oh, because I'm really bad at remembering what I had for dinner yesterday, much less uh, uh, the details on these. Do you, do you remember the setup for this? Yes. Uh, again, this takes place shortly after My Life as a King. Uh you play as the daughter of the, original, the villain of the, that game, because there actually was a villain, because even though you didn't see the battles, there was, you were fighting a, a demon creatively called Dark Lord. Except he had a first name in this game, but I forgot it. Uh-huh. It, it reveals that Dark Lord was a title and not his actual name. But anyway, you fight as his daughter, who, like, she's kind of upset because he got defeated, and he's now living as a sort of dark crystal to keep the monsters healthy, because without the miasma, they're not as strong as they used to be. Mm. So deciding, I'm going to conquer, you know, I'm going to conquer the, the, the continent or the planet or the world or, I don't know, she wants to conquer. And by doing that, she's going to fly her really dumb-looking tower around because it's got this uh, purple heart at the top of it that doesn't look at all intimidating. In fact, at one point in the story, uh, they mentioned how the citizens are, like, like, kind of laughing at it or saying, oh, look, somebody's bringing this really funny-looking thing to our town. But, so yeah, so yeah, she flies this thing around and challenges heroes to go into it. And as they try to, you know, as they try to defeat it, do they, she, you know, supposed to, to beat them back. So that way she conquers that area, even though as far as I know, she doesn't directly rule it. I don't quite understand. And goes around the map trying to, quote unquote, conquer the world. And she eventually decides kind of not to, but uh, for some reason this one's not as, details because it's got more more sort of more in the way of the story as each chapter progresses mira is kind of a funny character because she's you know clearly spoiled this spoiled princess wannabe dark lord she tries to get her way you had uh tun betty which is her servant who turned who turns out to be a tunberry but a human or maybe a clubot probably a clubot actually in a tunberry suit uh and then you, you know she's pretty violent she kicks tun betty around and some of the other tunberries that work for her so yeah, it was a comical little game. <laughs> and and that comedy, you know, uh, goes through to the gameplay itself. You're you're building a tower by buying these various floors, and I think you could buy monsters, right? Yeah, to... you bought monsters. What's that? Yes, you bought monsters. Yeah. To stock basically stock the floor with that'll try to stop the adventures. You could also buy traps that would uh they, you know knock them into the like like maces or um the some various other things that could. Uh, stop villains and uh, stop villains! Wow, stop heroes in their tracks. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, and and the theme of the rooms and the monster. I mean, of course, it's Final Fantasy, but it, it did definitely seem to have a, a degree of humor to it. Yes. Well, the monsters were basically ripped right out of the first Crystal Chronicles games. The goblins looked exactly like it. The behemoths, the bombs. You know, 
etc., etc. There was even were there those odd-looking um, uh, basilics? I don't remember, but yeah, most of the monsters came from there. That's do most of the uh, like the graphics themselves again look pretty much identical to the original Crystal Chronicles on the GameCube. So I'm a big fan of tower defense games. Uh, I could I could play those things all day. I played Crystal Defenders and whatnot. Just had a blast. But my problem with this one was I got I was cruising, I was having fun, I got to a certain point, and things became really difficult really fast. And I, I just I'm beating my head up against the wall. I'm usually really good at strategy games, so I finally break down and, and read some forums and stuff, and they pretty much indicated that I needed to buy DLC. Were, were yeah. you, how did what was your experience there? Am I alone here? No, no, no. I did the same thing, and I broke down and ended up buying one of the packages that gave you a bunch of spells. Because I just want—I wanted to get to the end of that. Yeah. Again, liking the humor in the game, so I just like it's just another. What was it, another five dollars, maybe? Mm-hmm. Like I can, you know, I can do it. I don't particularly need that. I mean, I guess it's a cheap. It's a. I thought it was like a cheap cop out, but by the sound of it, it sounds like you kind of need it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's yeah. I mean, I'm used to these type of games that I'm used to kind of games that have DLC, but they're usually totally optional, or they give you an extra outfit or some extra levels or you know something along those lines. But here, it really kind of feels like you hit a brick wall. Now, I don't mind that if it's a free to play almost, and I kind of you know needs a little umph to go through. But yeah, it was. It was kind of irritating. I mean, other other free-to-plays will let you play, but you can't progress very quickly, you know. But you can, uh, you know, do microtransactions and maybe get XP faster or something along those lines. But here, no, you just hit a brick wall, and it's. No, no, I, I completely understand if people want to stay away from this one because of that. Because now that I know, wow, you, I, I'm not just pathetic at these, at these games. Apparently, it really is that hard. <laughs> But on the on the bright, I mean, on the other hand, if you understand that going into it, which unfortunately I did not, and and then I end up feeling a little taken. But if you go into it knowing that you're going to need to buy this and this, and then you could, that way you can look at the full price ahead of time, and make your decision correct. Well, maybe you can't. You have to look online because uh, when you're buying it from the Wii Store, you're just buying that game. That's what got me because I'm buying my life as a Dark Lord, and I don't see underneath of that anywhere in the Wii store. I don't see anything about, oh, uh, you know, microtransaction this or extra DLC that. What happens is once you actually buy and install the game, then that's where there's another menu inside the game itself in the main menu to buy the DLC. And, and okay, I'm thinking, well, I can ignore that. That's probably extra levels or outfits or something. But then you hit a brick wall and you realize, oh, that's why that's on. Oh, that's what those packages are for. It isn't just to make the game easier. You 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 really got to use it to get past. Maybe if you're really, really good, maybe you can get by without it. But and like I said, I read online and uh, uh, there were a number of people who had uh, had the sim- similar challenges. But it's a sh- you know. But if you can go into it knowing it, I did enjoy my experience with it, and I'm assuming you did too. Once I you did, got- I did. Even though I kind of got annoyed by having to buy those spe- those packages of spells to get through it, I actually quite enjoyed it. Yeah, it, it, when you buy the package of spells, is it a one-time use thing or? Uh, you can use each of the spells once during that battle, but they're pretty darn powerful, so you only need to use maybe like one. Maybe two. Only once I had to do three, and that was like the last stage. And that should be fine. I, got, I think you got four spells. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay. So it was definitely one of the, the, the cuter titles. I bought a number of WiiWare titles, and uh, I did enjoy my time with it and might actually consider now that I've 
heard you say that the rest of it is kind of fun too. I might actually go ahead and just pony up the five bucks and, and play the rest of it through because I did have a good time. Oh yeah, because here's something I remember at the ending. The like uh, one of the one of the bosses you face is um, well, she's a character for the first Crystal Chronicles, the Princess of Alphataria, Fiona, and it's kind of cool encountering her because uh, she talks to Mira, and Mira, as it turns out, is half demon, half Clavot, uh, and Fiona herself is half Lilty, half Clavot. And uh, she actually mostly looks human, except she's got those characteristic lilty leaves coming out of her hair. So they have an interesting discussion, but this kind of upsets Mira, because it's just like, oh no, my secret is out. People know I'm half clavot, half human, what have you. And uh, the very last boss is actually the uh, hero from My Life as a King, the, uh, the, the king, whose default name is Leo, if I remember correctly, but you can give him any name you, you darn well wanted. Mm-hmm. So yeah, after she beats him, she kind of has a change of heart and decides, you know, I won't take over the world. I'll just try to help monsters out in this new, you know, miasma-free world. Although I think she kind of regresses a bit because there's some DLC uh, stage you can, you can get by buying it. Oh, completely optional, of course. I never did that because I already bought the stupid spells. I don't want to buy more. <laughs> hmm. Coolie. Um... Anything, anything else you can think of, Cassandra? There, there, the one piece of music that was memorable in this was a remix from the first game. It actually had a remix from the first game. It was called uh, "If It's Three People." Dot dot dot, and it was a remix of of a band of thieves from the first game who would sometimes pop up and harass you and steal stuff from you. And uh, it's kind of cool hearing a piece of music from the first game because it seems like did they forget it? Darn it! You know, darn it! Heck, even in most of the other uh, in the other titles we're going to discuss, almost none of that music ever returns, as far as I know. Hmm. <laughs> cool. Well, that is uh, my life is a is my life as a dark lord, right? Short term memory. See, I told you, real short term. Crystal Chronicles. My is it my life as a dark lord? It's my life as a dark lord. Okay, make sure I got it right because I already flip my notes page to the next game and i'm too lazy to hit the back button um and and like and cassandra and i both recommend it so there you go but expect to pay whatever the price is on we wear plus an extra you know five or ten bucks but I, I think you'll enjoy it um so the next game on our list would be a nintendo ds game we just keep jumping systems here final fantasy crystal chronicles rings of fate developed and published by square enix for your nintendo ds this was released in north america on march 11 2008 an action adventure single and multiplayer experience uh, rated e10 so who would like to kick this one off and tell us some more about this ditty as long as you don't ask me to talk about the story, I'll be fine. Talk about the story, Mike. <laughs> Go for it! Uh, there's a story in it, and there's two protagonists. Uh, now, there's... Uh, we'll go into the next... The two DS games, you know, kind of back-to-back, so it's kind of hard not to talk about one without talking about the other, but Ring of Fates was the first DS game that came out, and this one actually featured... Two protagonists, Yuri and Chalinka. Yeah. Am I remembering that correctly? Okay. And brother and sister ish. I can't remember if they were actually brother and sister yeah, or if they were. Uh, twin. Twins. Okay. Brother. There's, you know, you never know in stories if it was like uh, the brother and sister, but they weren't really brother and sister. They were just raised as brother and sister or. Over again. Whatever. And- 
And I think somebody said something in the distance. It might have been Mike, but I could be wrong. <laughs> I couldn't hear a thing he said if it was. Um, the uh, big difference, or not the big difference, but the thing about this one is it was, I don't count the last two games that you talked about at all as games because I don't like WiiWare. <laughs> so as far as the the real RPGs go, this one kind of deviated from the original Crystal Chronicles in that it was very heavily story-focused. Um, you know, Yuri and Chalinka um, were dealing at the beginning, kind of going into spoilers or whatever. They were working, or they were living with their father. You know, they had their own little house. They were doing all kinds of stuff. And then kind of out of nowhere, as it's kind of par for the course, um, their father was killed. Just, uh, I don't remember exactly how it happened or what was going on, but they were younger. They went on, you know, kind of adventures, tutorials to kind of give you an idea of what the game was like. And then there's a story point that takes place where their father's killed and they're forced to grow up. And, um, you know, they're, they have to deal with things. And Chalinka kind of loses it, I guess, or she gets. I don't remember exactly what happened to her. Cassandra, you'll have to help me on this. Um, but I just remember her waking up and not being able to talk anymore. Yeah, because in order to drive away the man that killed their father, because they, they, essentially he came there to, to actually kidnap the children, and their father tried to protect them. But he, you know, that villain ended up, with, his name was Chu, Chu something or a coup. Like, okay, I don't remember his name. He was like, uh, so Choo-choo. like, We'll call him Choo Choo. Choo Choo. I'll just call him Choo. I don't know. Whatever. I should, I could got call Wikipedia. That would be easier. But, uh, don't yeah. worry about that. <laughs> okay. So then he tries to kid, you know, he, he kills the father, tries to kidnap the children, but they unlock this special power and manage to drive him away. However, this power takes a lot of Chalinka, and she basically kind of, she kind of turns catatonic for three years, and only eventually she manages to somewhat snap out of it, except she can't speak anymore, but she's able to communicate telepathically. Go figure. And it's after that that they decide to, you know, let's uh, go out there and try to find our friends, because they had uh, two other, like, friends-slash-teachers, a uh, Yuke named Amadai... Uh, no, no, not Amadai, that was the first game. Uh, I'm a, did the, what was his name, darn it? Uh, a Yuke. <laughs> yeah, it was a Yuke. <laughs> Alhanalan? I think it was Alhanalan. And uh, the uh, Alilti, Alilti girl named um, uh, Rats, come on. She always ended, she, she, talk, she talked funny. She always ended her sentences with, a, with an E sound. And her name escapes me right now. I think Mike might have been trying to tell us, but he sounds like he's in a tunnel Ash. far, far away. Far, far Maybe away. Huh? No, uh... What was her name? I I I had on the tip of my Meath. Meath. That was her name. Meath. Oh, Me. Looking at the wrong character Me. then. Yeah. So yeah, basically they go out, manage to find them, and they also find a new friend, a selkie boy named Nash, who I think is meant to be a sort of uh, an homage or uh, an XP of uh, Gao from Final Fantasy VI, because he talks in broken English. He's found in the wild. He can talk to animals. Although Gao talks to monsters, I suppose. But. Uh, and, you know, he talks. He often talks about eating, like, you know, things that shouldn't be eaten. Like, he says, oh, that monster looks like it'd be good to eat. Or he says to uh, Alhanal and the Yuke, you know, yeah, I think you're a cool guy because you look like it'd be tasty. <laughs> 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 
So, yeah. So they you know, need a... Um, yeah, sorry? No, no. I was going to say you might have to go ahead on this because I don't remember a whole lot. Uh, yeah. I'm actually kind of confused by the story myself. But <laughs> it was a prequel to the original game, right? Yeah, it took place before the uh, Miasma came and is apparently part of the so-called Golden Age that... Uh, that was like that lasted this sort of era of peace between the tribes before the miasma came and kind of made everybody kind of messed everything up. But uh, yeah, I can't remember correctly. So they they find them all and they eventually uncover this uh, a conspiracy by the by the religious leader, by, uh, called the Hierophant. His name, uh, Gordes Goldes Galdes was his name, and he wanted to rule the world by corrupting crystals and using that to like you know create powerful monsters and will take over the world and they managed to beat him back except all sorts of weird stuff happened that i'm not sure what the heck happened like it's eventually revealed that the crystals can act as sort of like by using the power of memories can act as gateways to other parallel worlds and they managed to make everything right by choosing a world where that you know where that bad guy didn't exist or where he was captured earlier like i have no idea and at the very end of the game uh you know, they return home, but Yuri is dying, and then Shalinka gives her life to save him, but she sends him a secret message saying, you know, make a world where we're all, where, we're all happy again, and at the end, he goes back to a time when they were still very young. Their mother and father are alive, and everything's happy. It's just like, what just happened? <laughs> I don't know what just happened. It's just like, like, like I, I, I'm as lost as I sound, basically. It's like, you just made everything right again? You just turned everything, like, happy-go-lucky? What the heck? That explains why I don't really remember much yeah. about the story whatsoever. I, I kind of remember there were some kind of cool twists here and there. Yeah, and like the idea of the, the great crystal being, like, you know, existing within the world and connecting everything through memories. Because that's a big uh, motif to all these, to most of the Crystal Chronicles games, if not all of them. The idea that memories hold a special power. Mm-hmm. Even, uh, even in my life as a king, supposedly the, crystals that, the crystal that powers the king's ability to create buildings is on memory, the people's memories, the people that used to live in that city and such. And in there, the memories help to act as gateways to other dimensions. <laughs> or something like that. In fact, a funny idea I have is that the reason the miasma came is because, you know, you can't just, you can't just snap your fingers and make a perfect world like that. We're going to send a great big plague on the planet by, make, by sending a meteor parasite and making the miasma. But again, that's just crazy fan theory on my part. I have no idea how true that is. Probably isn't. That's uh, probably pretty accurate. <laughs> they probably have no idea, really. It just They're like, oh, let's just uh, make up the story as we go along. Yeah, maybe. maybe. Again, some interesting bits of the lore there, like how the uh, tribes used to be perceived before the miasma. Like, the Selkies in the first game were thought to be, like, all thieves and brigands. Like, people didn't trust them. They're kind of like gypsies, I guess. They wander around. People didn't trust them and such, although that was starting to kind of fade a bit in the Crystal Chronicles time, but in the past, they were just, uh, you know, they were, pe- they were nature-loving people, and uh, they were known for their agility and their bow skills. That's, the, you know, that the whole idea of them being thieves didn't apparently appear until after the miasma. Are you sure and they the- didn't wander into some parallel world where they were? <laughs> Maybe they did. <laughs> and again, the Lilties, who apparently weren't always warriors, they were bigger alchemists. The Ukes were still mysterious and had power, though, and the Clavats were still regular, you know, everyday people. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yeah. 
I remember the story being cute and fun and kind of it, it was very serviceable. Yeah. Um, Even though the ending got terribly confusing. Yes. And uh, it had a lot of voice acting in it that I remembered pretty pretty good, at least in my opinion. Uh, especially the way how uh, like Al Hadal and the Yuk would end its sentences with an owl, like an owl sound, and Neith would say it is an E sound, which was kind of gave him a bit of personality. I thought interesting localization, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, getting away from the story, which you know was definitely not the real catch of this game. What I enjoyed about it was the four-player, not four-player, but four-character party control that you had set up. Each of the four characters from each of the races that you got to control throughout the game. You could swap between them at any time. Um, They each had their own unique abilities. Um, And it was kind of puzzle-like sometimes, some of the things you had to do in order to complete stages and to get yeah. things... more so than the first game, for sure. Mm-hmm. And, and it worked well. It wasn't just, oh, here's a bucket we need you to carry, and, yeah. you know... Oh, yeah, and look for this funny key that looks like a disc to put into a pocket. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's yeah, they did some good stuff, and, and the one thing I really liked about it, um, and it wasn't as big here as it was the second game, was the equipment that you could get and have you know, the classic Final Fantasy jobs. You could equip your character to look like, you know, a white mage or a black mage or a warrior or something like that. It was really nice to have that, and it would grant you uh, more useful abilities based on which of those you had chosen. Mm-hmm. And it would show up on your character. You know, you'd have the cool look of the classic style and all that. That's one thing that really drew me in and kind of made the game much more enjoyable was the combat system and the class system. Absolutely, and unlike a lot of dungeon crawlers like this, you had a full party to customize. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it wasn't, just, it wasn't just one, and you could swap between them. Like, uh, if I'm remembering correctly on this one, you could swap between them at any time and had to, kind of, to get things completed. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the one... Yeah, to the racial ability... Yeah, the big problem with that was um, the AI was kind of horrible. So <laughs> the, uh, the the party members that were helping you out would, you know, they'd spam all their spells or they'd do all the they'd attack. Like you couldn't really rely on them to do anything super useful or super helpful. Yeah. A lot of times they'd get themselves killed pretty easily. But I mean, it wasn't wasn't really you know, horrible as much as it was just not was, very serviceable. I think it was worse in the second game. Yeah. If I remember correctly. Mm. <sighs> I remember uh, it being yeah. pretty bad in both. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, in general, it's pretty... I think pretty they were comparable, pretty much the same, equal of, you know, awfulness. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, you know, the thing about this one, too, and the only real other notable thing as far as... Uh, you know, I know, is the single-player versus multiplayer aspect. And you could do local multiplayer on Ring of Fates, but it was totally separate from the single-player story mode. Mm -hmm. You know, it was its own little quest-based adventure. You know, it was kind of had its own kind of smaller storyline. But did it really even have a storyline? I mean, it had multiplayer aspects to... 
these quests and it had some kind of ties together. Did you all play the multiplayer at all? I touched it a little bit, but never really went into it. I don't really know what goes on in there. Although I do remember reading somewhere that uh, somebody makes a comment on how he saw a dream about a world covered in a poisonous mist, which is, I guess, a fun little reference back to the first game. Like, did he see the future? Did he see another world? Is it just a mythology gag? You know, you be the judge. Yeah. There wasn't really a plot multiplayer, but there was kind of, I guess, you know, you had a little bit of story in there, but just eh, more, I guess, world building stuff, you know, kind of lore building things like that more than anything. So Mostly just a straight up dungeon crawl. Yeah, and the only extent I played to that was playing it by myself, which mm-hmm. I don't know if there were any puzzles that required more than one person. I didn't get that far into it. I don't remember either. I didn't play enough of it to to be able to say either. Did I? Yeah, but I, I think a big prohibiting factor, you know, outside of Japan for the multiplayer at that was there was no online. Mm-hmm. Yep, and I know that was kind of the last point I wanted to make on this one. I don't know if you all had anything else to add on this, but kind of leads us right into the next game. I kind of want to bring up one little thing, uh, yeah. sort of, sort of, kind of story related. Um, you only get to visit one. There's only one town in this game, the uh, Castle Town, I think it was called. Mm-hmm. But it, it, because there was only that one town, the people, like all the the uh, NPCs, had their own personality. They didn't just say. You know, a couple of line, a couple of throwaway lines. They had they had these little buildings, like their own building things going on with their lives, and that was actually pretty funny. Mm-hmm. For instance, there was this uh, little this, this little um, lilty girl, and she was friends with the selkie boy. And uh, you know, you, you meet them as children. Three years later, the lilty girl has developed a crush on a selkie boy. But uh, one character suggests that lilty's mature faster than. Then Selkie, so while he's like 12, she's got the mentality of a 16-year-old, so she's got a crush on him. He has no idea what's going on. He's still, she's like a kid. And there's this one point where um, she, like, he talks about going swimming with her, but she's, she doesn't know how to swim. He talks about going to the bathtub to teach her, and she's embarrassed. Like, no, I can't do that. He's like, okay, I'll just tie you to a fishing pole and, and help you swim that way. And she gets really mad. <laughs> <laughs> and it's lots of fun thing, like lots of fun with the NPCs that way that had, and it also carries into the next game we'll be talking about. So that's pretty. That, that I thought was pretty fun. The NPCs. Yeah. <laughs> coolie, coolie. So we're ready to walk down the echoes of time. Take us on. Alrighty, we're jumping back to your Nintendo Wii Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles: Echoes of Time, developed by Square Enix. This was released. On the Nintendo Wii, and there's a Nintendo DS counterpart, I believe. Uh, right? More like a DS game with a Wii counterpart. Okay, yes. all right. That, that's right, that's right. This was released in North America on March 24, 2009. This is a single and multiplayer experience rated E10 for how many thousands of dollars you'll have. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> E10 for everybody. Everybody who has... A DS and a Wii, or no, just one or the other, but they want to play the crappy version. On anyway, yes, thankfully this isn't like the GameCube one where you yeah. had to have a DS and a Wii. Yeah, <laughs> just uh, just needed yeah. one or the other, but it looked much worse on one than the other. Basically, yeah, very very interesting. So yes, this was the follow up to 
Rings of, Ring of Fates, and there was a few things they really addressed with the last game that um, this one kind of took off and did well. And the one big thing is that this one had fully online multiplayer. Like, Yay. you know, not local multiplayer. And, and that's like a rare, rare thing to have on a DS game. Even though it's fully capable of it, apparently it's too hard to do or too cost prohibitive to do. That Very few RPGs have ever really done this. And it actually worked quite well, too. It did. Um, and they also had cross-platform play to where um, I can't remember the exact specifics of this, but I know on the Wii, it was basically single player or multiplayer. The TV screen had two screens, so it looked like a DS game on your Wii. So, yeah, they were adjustable windows, um, but still, it was kind of awkward, made it hard to read things. Um, the Wii version was basically an emulated version of the DS game. Yeah. Even up to the point where you can only have one save. <laughs> Despite the, you know, all the memory on the Wii, you could only have, have one save. And you couldn't, I don't think you could even copy it to your SD card, if I remember right. It might have been one of those. Yeah, it didn't, uh, there were some technical wonders about this game and at the same time some questionable decisions it's like they they went all out getting the online multiplayer working and get getting it working between two different systems but they didn't have enough money or enough desire to make it work well <laughs> that way um but you know that aside I, I did get a chance to play this one actually multiplayer and on the the DS online um uh, john self nice uh, and i both ended up playing a little bit of this together and it, it really did work quite well um but the only thing that was kind of problematic is there was a little bit of lag in the game so if there was ever anything you had to do timing based teamwork on it sometimes would make it a little difficult at least it was laggy for us you know between tennessee and oklahoma i don't know what kind of latency issues you'll run into but Probably not as close or as smooth as some people doing it local multiplayer, but it, it really did work well, and it was almost seamless in with the story. It wasn't just kind of a tacked-on little mode that went along with the other, but in doing so, it also kind of sacrificed the the uh, protagonist that the first game or the first DS one had. All of the characters in this game were player-created just completely generic, no no real background. It doesn't matter what you created. It was still the same, you know, story regardless. So, anything else that really stood out for you all? Story-wise? Yeah, story-wise or gameplay-wise about multiplayer. Um, they kind of switched some of the gameplay aspects. Um, in the previous one, you had SP, which was used for special attacks and the racial abilities and things like that. And in this one, you just had MP, which you used for magic and stuff like that. And it, because in the previous one, you basically had to collect those little magical orbs, and each orb was one use of that spell. So the magic system was a little, a little bit better in this game, I think. Yeah, it went to 
kind of an irrational and, design. <laughs> yeah. You ever brought that up in that at all? This like in this series they use it they use magicite, but unlike um Final Fantasy Six, it's like these orbs of magic. In the first game you kept you get you get to have one throughout one dungeon but didn't get to keep it unless you got a special item magicite rings, which you could use uh you, you could take with you so you didn't have to carry all that extra stuff. In uh, the following games, they were uh, like, well, the, in the uh, in the Ring of Fates, it was basically a one-time use item, so you had to constantly collect them. And yeah, it's, you heard they're kind of different here in um, uh, Echoes of Time. Yeah. Uh, another little change I liked is the Ring of Fates. You had to use the touch screen for uh, certain things, uh, switching your spells, switching party members. And they added an alternate control scheme in this one, so you can also do that. Uh, with buttons if you didn't like keeping the stylus in your hand. So just, just some nice little refinements that I think make the made the game play a lot a lot better than the previous. Well, maybe not a lot better, but it, it cleaned things up a bit. It's probably it did, a good way to put it. Yeah, it definitely fixed the gameplay, but in doing so, I think the actual design of the game, the puzzles, the world, the levels and everything, I didn't like as much in this one. I thought they felt a little sloppier at times, and the AI, like you said earlier, was kind of a problem as well, so that didn't help anything. Yeah, I could see that. But, um, what about the story? I don't remember any of the story on this. I mean, it, it just seemed... That's the one thing I remember. I, I did the review for both of these two titles, and the story was kind of meh in Ring of Fates and very forgettable. But in this one, it was like barely tacked on it was like a complete dungeon crawler with focus on gameplay solely and it was terrible characters say what cassandra i i remember i vaguely remember the story it was terribly confusing again even more so actually i think it was weird is what i remember most about it it's kind of par for the course with these (laughs) you know (laughs) I wish they could get back to the uh, kind of story from the original, where. Um, where you kind of yeah, you kind of discovered it and ferreted it out by yeah. you know, towns and talking to people and looking at events instead of you know just a straightforward. Yeah. Straightforward cutscenes, dialogue. You know, yeah. That was what was so cool about the original was, it didn't hammer the story. Yeah, to yeah, you have to go out look for you it. You found it on your own, and if you just wanted to go in some dungeons, you can do that too, and this. The story kind of gets in the way in this one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what there was of it, yep. <laughs> yeah, what there was of it. It's just kind of, yeah, okay. Although Can one I thing I found... Yes, sorry. No, it's okay. Go ahead. No, what I found interesting is that unlike the other Crystal Chronicles games where they more or less spell out where it happens in the timeline, this one is, seems to be up in the air. You get, I mean, I even heard ideas that it could take place after the Crystal Bears, for all we know, but it's just, it's just there. It's kind of odd, because... Yeah. It, tell you that Ring of Fates happens before uh, the first game. They tell you that uh, My Life as a King and you know, and My Life as a Dark Lord happens shortly after the first game. They tell you that the Crystal Bears happens a thousand years after the first game, but this one I guess fit it in wherever you want to. <laughs> I could be wrong, but you know, when you look at the original Crystal Chronicles and kind of see that that was something that Nintendo helped push and that they really wanted to get you know, something out there to show exactly what the GameCube, Game Boy Advance connectivity could do, which it never really went anywhere at all, um, because it was too awkward to accomplish. It's kind of a 
fascinating thing that Ring of Fates even got made because it seems like the one game that didn't have some kind of gimmick. But it seems like Echoes of Time really kind of focused on the connectivity between the, the DS and the Wii and the online multiplayer. And it just seemed kind of like, hey, let's show off what we can do, not let's make a great game that's a follow-up to this other game. And that seems to be kind of par for the course what the original one did, too. It wasn't so much – it was an experiment. You know, It was let's do something different. Let's make this happen. Well, you could say that about all the Crystal Chronicles games. It kind of seems like it's uh, Square's excuse to, or, and, or I guess Nintendo's for the first game, to kind of see what you can do, with, like different things. The, you know, you had the, uh, king, you know, you had the Kingdom Building one, the tower, mm-hmm. the literal tower defense one. You had, yep. uh, exper- you know, experience in multiplayer for uh, uh, Echoes of Time, and you had mm-hmm. uh, Crystal Bears, which... <laughs> we'll get into in a minute, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there isn't a whole lot else to say. I think the um, character classes and the equipment and everything that they had in the Echoes of Time, it seemed to be a lot more memorable for me. It seemed like they'd, I don't know if they added a whole lot more, but it seemed like a bigger focus of the game. It's definitely a bigger focus for me because I enjoyed, you know, creating and mixing and matching and that's always been something I've been a sucker for because, you know, having played the original Final Fantasy before I played any of the rest of them, I got really attached to the character classes. So seeing that again in this game to an even greater extent, I think they added stuff like the Gambler. So, you know, you could have a character that looked like Setzer from Final Fantasy VI, or you could have, you know, the traditional White Mage, Black Mage, Warrior, all of that stuff. So... It was nice to see that you could, you know, dragoons, red mages, stuff like that. And I remember that being the biggest enjoyment for me, as I loved gathering the loot in this game. It, it really was a loot gatherer. Absolutely, I think I often called it basically Final Fantasy Diablo. <laughs> yeah, and very accurately so. And so. more so than the other games for sure. Oh, absolutely, and uh, I, I did love that all the. The equipment was basically, you know, nostalgia for all us classic Final Fantasy fans. Mm-hmm. They even had some gags from the other games. Like, I think there was like a sort of a forward uh, gag, if you will, because one of the outfits you could get was the main character of Crystal Bears. Uh, really? Yeah, Lale. Yes. I'd forget. I hadn't noticed that. that. I, yeah, <laughs> I might be rare or something. I never got it myself, and I never really looked for it. But it's, a, it's out there. I've seen screenshots. Interesting. Uh, yeah, getting back to the the whole multiplayer aspect of this is that's I think that might have been uh, at least I said this in my review. It seems like the reason the design was kind of poor in this game is it seemed like they were trying to push multiplayer again. So trying to do some of the puzzles or complete some of the stages single player was an absolute chore. Where if you'd had multiple people playing all the time, you know, four people doing this, it wouldn't have been bad. But the AI kind of does whatever it wants, and, you know, you could modify things, and most of them would follow the rules fairly closely. But, you know, you'd still have characters that walk off a cliff or, you know, walk into walls or things like that. But you could at least, you know, warp them. I think that's one thing. I can't remember if it was in... Ring of Fates or not, but it seemed like there was a teleport button where you could warp your allies to you. It was both of them. You can get them back to you if they're a little too far away from your taste or if you needed them for a switch or something. Yep. 
So all in all, I liked both of them for different reasons. Uh, Echoes of Time felt like a better loot gatherer. And, you know, the online multiplayer was a great aspect, even if, you know, I always want online multiplayer. But it, it seems like whenever I do get it, I never have the time to be able to coordinate with people to get it done. So it it didn't really something that I guess I should push for too much. Um, but the story was, you know, ridiculous, non-existent or nonsensical yeah, all was- in yeah, there was some terrible, confusing thing about uh, echoes from the past, like the future or the past that would eventually destroy the civilization. I just, what's going on? I don't understand. Although this one also had pretty decent voice acting. There was a fair amount, despite the fact that you didn't have, you know, a set protagonist because you had that uh, that cat girl, Charlotta, following you around. You had uh, some other NPCs. You had the villain who spoke with a, what was that, a German accent? I don't so a weird accent. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so that was, you know, the voice acting was pretty decent. And again, there's one town, but the NPCs had a lot of personality, and they kind of developed over the course of the game, so that was at least enjoyable, even while this main story itself was confusing. It, mm-hmm. When it wasn't, when it was actually there. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that's about all I really had on that one. I'm not sure if y'all have anything else to add as far as uh, that goes. Just that, you know, this kind of has the same issue that the original one had. The focus on multiplayer kind of makes playing single, single player. player somewhat uneven. Mm-hmm. And I wish that they could find... I don't know what they would do to make this one better. Um, I guess improve the AI would have made the single player a lot better. Get rid of the story completely and just, you know, not even try to pretend there is one. <laughs> Yeah, I always find that weird with, you know, some dungeon crawlers like this, where the the, the story seems almost thrown thrown on. And you wonder why oh, they yeah. bother. Well, I hate to, you know, stereotype the community, but Japanese developed games. When you're making it for Japan, you got to be a heavier focus on story. Very few Japanese developed games, it seems like, are light on story, even if they're, you know, probably should be. Sure. So I guess that makes the original one uh, pretty much an oddity then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, the story was there and you could, you know, kind of, kind of, you know, encourage it out, but it, you know, it certainly was not the focus. <laughs> it was a multiplayer. Indeed. And that's all I had to say about that. <laughs> so let's move on down the aisle. We are at the end of this aisle, in fact, because. We're going to talk about the last game on the list. Final Yay. Fantasy Crystal Bearers for the Nintendo Wii. Developed by Square Enix and released here in North America on December 26, 2009. This is a single and multiplayer action-adventure game rated T-14. No, no, you mispronounced the title. It's Final Fantasy Crystal Chronicles, The Crystal Bearers. <laughs> you know, they got that, that Crystal Chronicles on there so teeny tiny on the box. If you can see that, boy, you just got some good eyesight. You've just got to 
you've got to add a little more edge and grit to the crystal bearers when you say it. Oh, yeah, because of the way it's written. Okay. Okay, yeah. if, I, if I was going to read it the way it looks like on the box, it would go like this. Final Fantasy, Crystal Chronicles, Crystal Bearers! That's better. Much better. Perfect. By Square Enix. That, that's how I would re- if I was just reading it, putting the appropriate voices to the fonts. Because this game is hardcore. Hardcore? How, how can a Crystal Chronicles game be hardcore? Core. Hardcore? Yeah. Hardcore. Is it hard boring? <laughs> uh, Freudian slip. You haven't even played this one. Nope. Uh, I thought you asked. I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I'll be quiet. Uh, uh, Mike, Cassandra, would y'all like to talk about this to start with? Should I give the grand <laughs> intro? Give the grand intro. I'll, I'll correct you when you're wrong. <laughs> uh, so this, this game takes place a thousand years after the original Crystal Chronicles. Is that correct? Hold on. Yeah. I just got cut off. Uh, what did you just say? Before we get into that, I just kind of want to talk about this game's development because uh, it's kind of odd. This game seems to have changed drastically since it yeah, was that's, shown. That's a good idea. Uh, let's let's talk about what the first trailer. Yeah, basically. Off. Well, I've got to, I've got to stop you and correct both of you. You've referred to this a couple times as a game, and it's anything but. So, <laughs> I, I call this a glorified tech demo. Oh. Uh, Please continue. Sorry. Okay. <laughs> well, when the Crystal Bears was first announced for the Wii, it had this uh, pretty interesting little trailer. Uh, it kind of looked a little closer to the original. You had uh, caravans. You had a, there was an Iron Giant that kind of looked some kind of fiery monster, which could have been I don't know I don't know what it could have been. It there was a there was an airship that flown by. It's like. It was pretty darn brief, and uh, for the longest time, I was, I was fascinated because I loved the first game, and I, I wanted to... This seemed like an actual follow-up sequel, rather than, like, you know, the ones on... Well, I think the ones on the DS were just recently announced as wet beforehand, so I didn't know what they would be like, but, you know, it was a console game, so I wanted yeah. to see what it was like. And there was so very... Like, nothing was said of the game. For the longest time, people thought it was cancelled, you know? And I then... Guess- but, yeah. I yes, had dreams only. of using DSs as controllers in <laughs> multiplayer. Was there references to that? I have no idea. Oh, no. There was never any mention of that. I just, you know, hmm. since there was no talk of it, I had to come up with yeah. ideas of what it could be on my own. Uh, well, I just thought it was it would be like uh, the original Crystal Chronicles, but without the use of DSs or something. <laughs> or, may, or maybe just the highly, highly optional because to kind of get the, you know, sort of have the separate screens or something. But eventually they started giving some little bits of information, like the main character would be a lot older than most other um, Final Fantasy characters. He was like 21, I think, or... 18, you know, that would be older. (laughs) Well, he was 21, so even older than that. Wow. And it would be like a sort of, he would be an experienced hero instead of some, you know, some uh, kid from a village somewhere but otherwise there was nothing and then later they would they introduced the the new trailer and the really really extreme new logo (laughs) and uh yeah it was very it was it seemed to be a very very different animal than that initial trailer and i still well i'm sort of kind of and i don't dislike the game so far i'm only uh a couple hours well i'm 20 hours in but i spent a lot of that 
dilly dallying because oh I, my god, twenty oh hours! Oh my god, twenty hours! I I I literally <laughs> I, I don't just stop and smell the roses when I play video games. I smell the daisies. I smell the petunias. I chase butterflies. I there's lots I, of that to I, do. I do, I do lots sure. of pointless nonsense in video games. I can rack up ridiculous amounts of hours. I think that's the one thing that me and Mike will agree on or in this is that playing this game for 20 hours is insane and not having even progressed that much. I, mean, I don't know how far I am. I'm up to the point where I have to talk to Sid about the uh, steam engine, I believe, after having uh, talked to that Falgali uh, Selkie guy to try to convince him to use that to fix the Selkie train, if I remember correctly. Uh, uh, yeah, you're, you're the boring part. I'm up at the boring part, yay. So I've still got a little while to go, I think. I'm, I'm, I am tried to get through quickly, but my uh, weird, I've got to look at everything. I've got to click everything. I've got to, you know, sell stuff and beat monsters mentality came over. Yeah. And just well, to clarify the boring parts, any time from the opening credits to the end credits. Oh. <laughs> <sighs> Sorry, so, I'm, but, I'm, yeah, but I'm full of venom. Of <laughs> I know. I was trying to say... Kind of, sort of enjoying the game. I'm, I'm mostly, I'm, I'm not having a. Uh, how do I put this? I played better games, but I'm not hating it. <laughs> you're the Switzerland of Crystal Bears. <laughs> yes, I guess I'm Switzerland. <laughs> you're in, you're in the middle <laughs> here. You're not. I you, wish you that we gotten that game, that game from that trailer in some form. But yeah. Oh, I, I, I won't deny that I'd love to have gotten that game as well. But nice to have gotten a game. <laughs> you know, that would have been fantastic. I think. Oh, you know. All right, Mike. Do you want do you want to try to save this or shall I just yes. tear it apart? No, Build no, it no. up and let me break let's, it down. Let's start from the beginning and then we'll we'll get to yes. the gameplay. Let's, yes. let's yes. talk about the story because I actually think the story is pretty good. You'll probably stack the dominoes horribly, but stack the dominoes. I kind of like how the lore is building, but yeah, go on. So this takes place a thousand years after the original uh, Crystal Chronicles. Um, it takes place sometime after a great war where the Ukes um, have been uh, have disappeared. I guess each of the races have their own crystal that um, I, I, don't, I, I don't know what exactly the properties of it, but each of the races have have their own crystal, and theirs was destroyed, and now the the Ukes and magic are mostly gone from the world. But there are certain people who are imbued with pieces of the Uke crystal and are able to use different kinds of magic, and those those being the crystal bearers, of course. Um, so the game stars um, Lael, who... Uh, God, which race is he? He's a Klavat. Thank you. He's got you. blonde hair, and the Klavat, well, there are some blonde-haired Selkies, but for the most part, the Klavats have the regular, you know, normal human hair colors. The Selkies have yeah. the bizarre hair colors. The distinctions of those two are a little hard, harder to tell in this game. Well, yeah, think. they're pretty much just different races of human. <laughs> Not yeah. so much the Lilties and the Yukes that are completely <laughs> different. <laughs> but Lael is a crystal bearer with basically telekinetic powers, and he's I don't know if I want to call him a, a bounty hunter or just kind of a... A mercenary. Yeah, a mercenary. That's, That's the better. word, mercenary. Um, out on an escort mission uh, protecting, like, a cruise airship, and <laughs> it gets ta- attacked by a 
a uke, and that's where the story begins. Figuring out the mystery of who this person is and what exactly is going on. Yeah, so tell us exactly what happens when the, the airship gets attacked. Well, <laughs> you're thrown right away into the the vast number of mini-games that this game contains. First, kind of a turret mini-game where you have to shoot some monsters out of the air, and then... Did you control him flying down, dropping down off of the thing he was sleeping on to the airship? Did you kind of steer him at that point, or was that the, the shoot him up part? That was the shoot him up part. Okay, so you do that. Okay. Sorry. And then afterwards, the uke does something to the crystal powering the airship, and you have to steer the airship as it crashes, which was honestly a terrible mini game. Oh, beyond terrible. The most <laughs> yes. horrid controls. Um, I remember playing games in like the early PlayStation life, stack, uh, life cycle that, you know, it was like, let's do something really cool and innovative and, you know, maybe racing games or space games or stuff. And they'd control horribly, but they at least had some, you know, redeeming charm to them. Now, this is just like trying to drive a garbage dump down a hill <laughs> with no Old dump, apparently. Yeah, yeah uh, like a, 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 trash, a trash bin, a giant trash bin. And you're going down a hill, and you're trying to steer it. And the only way you can steer it is by slamming yourself against the left side or the right side to steer it. <laughs> That's the equivalent of what you're doing to try to steer this thing. It, it's the most awful thing. You you don't really fail. Could you no, fail? Yeah, I don't think you no, can you couldn't fail. fail. No, you couldn't fail. Uh, so you know you could just you know set the controller down and just watch as you just tear against the wall and <sighs> wait for the epic dramatic uh, cut scene at the end where you go flying off the edge of this cliff into this field and oh god <laughs> yeah uh, you know obviously I like this game but that part did not give me a good feel feeling the first time I played this game because it was really really bad and for some reason later in the game you could replay it and try and get a better time for if you're <laughs> masochistic or something I don't know that's the only reason I could think of. Well, <laughs> but luckily, that that finishes quickly. What I did think was hilarious was uh, one like what one of the characters, one of the uh, characters on there, a recurring character named Belle, and she's like shrieking at the top, like shrieking and shouting, like you know, where did you learn to drive? And we're gonna die. It was hilarious, especially <laughs> since uh, her actress is Laura Bailey, and she's an she's an excellent voice actress, and she just did that superbly and hilariously well. So I thought that yeah. was fun, at the very least. I will give the game this. This will be the one thing I'll say is the voice acting is okay at times. So I thought Lael's voice actor was horrible, but I'll give you I'll give you Bell. <laughs> I'll give you that. Oh, yeah. Laura Bailey, very always a great actress. Yeah. I like Lael's voice actor. I thought uh, it was okay. Yeah, I spectacular, mean, but okay. I, I, I thought the voice acting was pretty good for a game that I don't think Square Enix cared about all that much. <laughs> oh, it, I don't know. It just sounded phoned in to me, but I, uh, that's just yeah, my... Some, some of it definitely did. Uh, but, you know, it, it had its moments. 
And I guess that partially goes – maybe it was great. Maybe he was playing that perfectly, and we really are supposed to think that Leo is just the most useless, lazy, you know, <laughs> anything ever who doesn't care and, you know, would rather just kind of phone in his conversations with people. So maybe he was spot on with that, <laughs> you know. More power to him if so. <laughs> yeah, he certainly isn't the typical quote-unquote hero. Yeah. Mm. Which is actually something I, I enjoyed about the, the story. He wasn't your tip. He wasn't. He was as far from Cloud from Final Fantasy VII as you could possibly get. Uh, okay. Now I won't give you exactly that because he. Um, it's not so much. I, I, yeah, I can't give you that one at all. Um, <laughs> he, so you can't old. even agree on that. No, I mean, he's so aloof, you know, like Cloud is, that whatever, you know, I'll just do my own thing, I'll just take care of this. You know, he's kicked back at the beginning of the game, all chilled out. Okay, I'll give you the fact that, you know, he's a lot more chill, where Cloud's a lot more uptight. But, I mean, it's the whole still don't care kind of attitude he has, and just kind of smart aleck attitude. He may have had more personality than Cloud, I'll say that, but he sure as heck was... Every bit as whatever. <laughs> Moving on. Was that a sigh of resignation? <laughs> no, that was a sigh of, I don't know. <laughs> uh, oh, zing! Six of one, half dozen of the other? Yeah. yeah. Tell us some more of the things you did like about it. All right. Well, once you get past the worst mini game ever created, basically, you start to get to some of the actual gameplay where you control Lael normally and um, define normally. Unnormally. Define normally. What is normally to you? Um, what I mean is just uh, kind of the third-person action adventure. Control. Okay. Basically, you're you're in complete control of him. And this is where you're kind of introduced to his telekinetic powers, basically using the Wii remote to point at things and pick them up and toss them around as you like. And along this way, you've probably, you'll by that point, you'll probably have come across the achievement system in the game, which is kind of nice because there's literally like hundreds of little achievements you can find for doing Things like picking up old ladies and chucking them at cows and random <laughs> things like that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I... basically, if you went in expecting the game to be an RPG, this is where you'll kind of get your wake-up call because you're wandering around the town and you can't really talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the game kind of just lets you toss things around and do random things like that and um at first the story progresses you along um there's another mini game where you're which is a lot better where you're being chased on a uh, we can't remember if you're riding a chocobo yes. or riding, uh, riding, uh, riding a cart i believe that's Ru- right you're riding a cart i couldn't remember if you're just riding a singular chocobo or on a cart and you basically use your telekinetic powers to attack the enemies as you're chasing after you. And mm-hmm. after that point, I think the game opens up a little more where you can 
go and revisit some of the areas you've previously been and take in some other, you know, side events. There's there's one place in the the big capital where there's a you can basically make your own garden, which was strange. Found <laughs> <laughs> that too. And regardless uh, of how you know awful it looks, you still get an achievement for that. <laughs> It's strange would be a good word for a lot of things about this game. I mean, obviously, I I like it. And, well, we've but, gone this entire podcast without mentioning one person's name. And that person <laughs> who was involved in this game, and I believe the original Crystal Chronicles, but not the two DS ones, which I actually enjoyed, is Kawasu. Yes. The maestro. Maestro, is that his nickname, or is that just your pet name for him? That would be my pet name. Now, I don't actually think he's a genius or anything. Let me let me come clean here. I don't actually think the man is like a true genius or anything. I just like that he tries different things, and somehow, some way, he was allowed to, um, I guess, try every different thing that he had on his mind at the time. <laughs> And that's exactly what I think he did. I think he had a notebook. He was like, hmm. Well, we've had this game in production for about five years now. And we've yet to come up with anything other than a trailer. We've got some art assets. We've got a character. What are we going to do? Well, let's see. The other games have been role-playing games. Hmm. Well, we could kind of make this a role-playing game. What if we made it like Zelda and you had a life bar instead? But instead of going around and actually doing stuff, we've got to make use of the Wii remote because that's what we were supposed to do, you know, when the Wii first came out, you know, three years back. And, you know, when this game was maybe supposed to be ready or at least, you know, yeah, it was supposed to be a launch game for the Wii. I remember that. And I was we were a- supposed to have this. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Crystal yeah. Bears in some form, maybe that trailer form. I remember being disappointed when that that never when that fell through. So, you know, I've got some ideas now. I'm going to give you my notebook where I've scribbled stuff when I was sitting on the toilet or when I was, you know, waiting on the train or when I was high on acid and I just decided this would be a good idea. I want you to take this and implement every bit of it. It's nothing but mini games. And it's going to use a lot of pointing at the screen and throwing things. It'll be great. Yeah. I'll give you an easy way to describe this game right now. Open world minigame collection. Very accurate. Sounds, yeah, sounds pretty accurate. <laughs> I mean, even even the combat in the game, which I think is one of its highest point, is something that you don't really have to do. No, and no, you, you don't. Do it, you well, do it if you want to increase your life bar. I mean, and yeah. you want that if you want to beat the bosses and continue yeah. the game. Yeah. You have to do it for bosses, uh, which were another thing altogether. But I'll agree with you exactly. I guess uh, open world mini game collection sounds good. Also, oh horribly broken tech demo um, that's completely unfinished, full of crazy ideas, also works. But that that doesn't fit as well in the back of a box, so we'll go with uh, open world minigame collection. 
how about experimental game that though it's rough around the edges can still be a lot of fun. I think okay. that one works a lot better. Uh, see, I'll never say that people can't enjoy stuff that I hate. Um, <laughs> because, you know, you totally did. And more power to you for that. Hey, you, I, have, you have to give it this. Out of For a Kawazu game, it's very accessible. That's true. And and let me I'll clarify my stance on Kawazu is I do not hate the guy. Um I actually kind of enjoyed oh, which game was he involved in that I actually enjoyed? I like Final Fantasy two. <laughs> He's wow. worked on what, twenty plus games? Final Fantasy two, I'll give him that one because I hated it the first time, but I kinda got used to, you know, beating myself up in that one. So Nobody can ever say the man does not think outside the box. More power to him for that. It's not the same old crap all the time. I wanted to like The Last Remnant too, but the yeah, the other yeah, issues that they screwed yeah. up the 360 version of that. If you know, exactly. totally different story. That's kind of out of his control. But you know, I'll give him that. He's a creative man, very very creative. But this is definitely not one of his finest moments in my, my eyes. What about some of the other mini games? I remember, um, maybe I'm blocking them all out. Maybe we should talk remember. a little more about the combat first. Not not like the bosses and stuff. Just kind of the combat areas you run into on the world map areas. Yes, all. yes, indeed. So basically, this isn't like a traditional combat scenario. Obviously, the goal is to defeat all your enemies, uh, but you have a certain time limit to do it. So at times, for the more difficult ones, it's almost a puzzle, trying to find uh, the items around you or monsters you can use as weapons that'll get you to kill all the monsters before the time limit expires. Because you have no sword, you don't have a, a weapon yourself. Your weapon is your telekinetic powers. Exactly. So the the only thing I didn't like about that the the whole time limit thing is um, I don't think that I don't think um, as soon as you walked in an area, the time limit necessarily was at the start. Like I think you could wander to an area where the time limit was like in the middle or something like that, and. Oh. No, the problem was is that you could wander to an area, but all the monsters would be re like on the other side of the flipping yes. map. That's the that's, problem. That's what the issue. And then by the time you got there, like you were maybe had half the time or less remaining, and you'd have to stick around for like three minutes until yeah, get on, got another chance to try to beat the monsters. So that yeah, that often when I try, I, I I do like the combat in this game. I do like having you know the puzzling out how to beat all the monsters within a time limit, but also involved me. You know, putting the Wii remote down and, you know, just watching Lael sit on the ground while I read a book <laughs> waiting for him to come back. <laughs> no wonder you're 20-something hours yeah. You sat down and read the whole Game of Thrones series, you know, while you were just <laughs> waiting for something to happen. <sighs> yeah, that, you know, that was definitely an annoyance that they could have figured out a, a better way to do that. Yeah, um, that'd be nice. But... You know, some of the, some of the later combat challenge, combat scenarios were pretty challenging. So um, those could be a lot of fun if you spend some time with them. I remember one boss being awfully, uh, fairly memorable because it was kind of frustrating fighting somebody in a cemetery. 
Am I remembering that one correctly? Yes, I remember correctly. That the crystal bearer with the fire powers, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah, that was a tough battle. I hated that battle. Mainly because a lot of times I felt like I was fighting the controls more than I was the boss. And I hate when interaction on a game is the biggest hindrance for me. You know, if it's challenging on its own, you know, more power to it. If I suck, you know, my fault. If the game... Sorry, go ahead. No, I was about to say, if the game is making me lose because, you know... I'm trying to aim this way and the camera's doing something weird or whatever, then that's frustrating to me. Yeah, that's definitely another issue at times with the game. And really with a lot of Wii games that rely on motion control and, you know, the IR pointer. So combining both of those into one combat system, you can run into some issues. Mm-hmm. Um, not, not saying that it's just the Wii's fault, there's definitely some issues with the control scheme itself, but um, you know it's something that something that's an issue with a lot of Wii games. But you know, obviously, they could have done more to make up for those the uh, lack of precision. Yes. But anything else that really stood out to you about the combat? It was pretty kind of shallow. There really isn't a whole lot to it, to be honest. No, I but I think since it's well, it whatever they want to call it, since it's not an RPG and for most people the game will probably be less than ten hours or right around that area, it it could probably, you know, be fun enough to last through the, the whole experience. But then again, you know, there's a plenty of other stuff to do if you get bored of the combat. Yeah. There's definitely Definitely quite a few things you can do with it. <laughs> yeah. There's actually some I remember seeing from videos that I actually haven't even didn't even find in my time with the game. What else did you like about it? What were some other highlights for the game? Because I'd like to hear all the good <laughs> so I can talk. Um, <laughs> see. Enjoyed the story, enjoyed the combat. Um I don't want to get to the music yet. We'll stick to the gameplay for now. Um, I just liked kind of the relaxed feel the game had. It didn't rush you, try and rush you through the story too much. You were kind of free to just wander around and have some fun, do whatever you found in the game that you liked. You know, there wasn't any... You know, Structure. Yeah, Limits. I, <laughs> Yeah, lack of structure a little bit, but that almost turned into a strength. Oh, yeah, I'm not saying that's a bad thing by any means. Yeah. Um, One of the things that helped me enjoy this game a lot, I think, is I was playing a lot of Demon Souls at the time. Mm -hmm. So going from that stressful, stressful gameplay experience, not that that's a bad thing, to this, it was really a relaxing game I think was the best way I can explain it it's just kind of not something you're necessarily going in for a challenge um, just something you go in to have some fun and enjoy and I think you know as a simplistic little short little adventure game it fits that bill nicely you know none, there's lots of obviously like we said there's lots of mini games but none of them 
if you don't like them, last that long. And if you do like one, there's ways to go back and do more of it. So uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can kind of tailor this game for your own enjoyment. Okay. <laughs> I think I kind of rambled on a little bit there. I'm no, sorry. that's okay. Uh, it's it's a hard game to describe at times. Yeah, very, very true. Is there anything that you've enjoyed so far other than exploring it, Cassandra? Uh, not so much. Like I said, I kind of like some of the expansions on, again, the Crystal Chronicles world. Uh, <laughs> for, like, for the, the, maybe it's, it's possibly, it's probably just the, uh, the, the different art style because while the original Crystal Chronicles games had this sort of cutesy, chibi look to it, this one is more realistic. So the Lilties go from being child-sized to humans, like mostly human-sized. You kind of have some smaller ones in armor that look closer to the originals. And then, you know, the Clavats and Sulkies look more human. The Ukes are, like, much taller and very slender-looking. Well, you see one most of the time. And so it kind of makes you want, like, I kind of half wonder if, like, the Lilty change is due to a lot of intermarriages between Clavats, but it's probably just the art. <laughs> But you know me, I like to go off on weird hypothetical tangents that probably don't lead to anywhere. So uh, yeah, so again, I find that sort of interesting. How the the fact that uh, a bit of irony there that when when Mio dies at the end of the first game, she hopes that with Mar- Ryam gone, the Golden Age will return again because there will be no more miasma and people will no longer be you know under so much duress and stress. But uh, you know, some hundreds of years later, the Lilties and the Ukes go to war again. And the Ukes end up getting, you know, their crystal destroyed and they almost disappear. Just like, oh, yeah, that's a great harmony there. The, the Lilties take over and repress everybody <laughs> else, basically. Because, <laughs> again, the Clubbots are, are, are not, you know, are kind of, uh, they're, they're secondary classes and the Selkies don't like their rule and they're kind of, they're roguish there. They're, no, they're not necessarily thieves anymore, but they don't like the, the Lilties that much. So that's kind of interesting to see how that developed between the, uh, cla- the, uh, the, the races, the tribes again. There's kind of some story elements that are a bit darker than you'd expect, you know, just kind of looking in on this game. I haven't, maybe I haven't gotten that far because I haven't really seen that. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I guess it's the whole, I guess it's the whole implied genocide of the, the Uke, the Uke tribe, basically, by destroying their crystal. Yes, and there's a lot of, I don't want to spoil anything, I'm just going to say there's a lot of death. Hmm. I'll leave it at that. Okay. This is the RPG backtrack, you can spoil anything yeah, but I you want. But, Maybe I can. Uh, maybe we'll just can, have to have her mute. Oh yeah. Yeah, I could just uh, take off my headphones and mute, and then uh, you can do, sit on there. Tell me, in, uh, you know, when it comes to come back no. on. Nah, don't worry about it. We can. Yeah, it's it's not a big deal. I think no. what just saying that there's a lot of deaths and kind mm-hmm. of an edge to the story covers it all. Well, that'll be interesting to experience when I get up to there. Yeah, that's mostly in, towards the end of the game. I thought, it, yeah, that sounds about right. So, let me touch on just a few things. I promise not to take very long. Time to put on my seatbelt here. (laughs) We're going for a ride, kids. Crystal Bears is a game I went into with not really a whole lot of expectations. I, you know, knew from the onset that it wasn't really an RPG. You know, there, there were air quotes around that. But as I played it, more and more, it seems like the developers weren't quite sure that it wasn't an RPG at times. 
they didn't really seem to know exactly what the game was. Because despite the gameplay and the concept and everything about it being totally, you know, kind of an action-adventure style game, there were so many RPG trappings to it that it seems like the developers just didn't really know how to make something else. You know, the story had a lot of the standard RPG cliches. Um, the, you know, the whole quest-type system, you know, going or missions of going, you know, you go from point A to point B, you see a scene, you head back to point A, you see another scene. And a lot of times you're just doing a lot of backtracking, going around, doing stuff when you're not doing cutscenes. So the open world... There was a lot to do in it, but at the same time, there's not a lot to do in it. You had complete freedom to do things, but you know, I've kind of sat and asked, you know, what is there really to do in the game? What have you enjoyed about it? What is there that really drives you to do it, other than picking stuff up, throwing it around, waiting for a timing-based you know, encounter system where enemies appear out of the sky for a set amount of time and the whole goal is to beat them. It's just like, what's the point? You know, what in the world are you actually doing here? You know, if that had an open world where there were plenty of enemies on the screen, and, you know, the whole goal was to, you know, beat them up, you could use your telekinetic powers to pick things up, throw it at them, you know, had some challenging stuff. If it really was action adventure, like say Zelda, just for example, not to say that it needed to be Zelda, but if it had been, you know, that whole exploration system, you know, going from point A to point B, back to point A, you know, there was a lot of backtracking in the game for the story. You know, doing that kind of stuff, it, it could have been fun. It had, a, it just had too many RPG trappings, and it. Even though it wasn't an RPG, it really did feel like they were trying to make something, but the only template they had was an RPG to make it in. So it's like this shell where they scooped all the RPG elements out and just threw in what they could, but the shell is still the same. So that's why I feel like everything about the game was really disjointed. The mini games that they threw in there were just random. I mean, most of them were not optional. The first few at the beginning that you go to of having to fly down and do a shoot 'em up, of having to um, steer, steer in air quotes, the ship, um, you know, I, I guess crash the ship is a more <laughs> accurate term, um, going around trying to find the little creature that's escaped uh, in the town, the little. The hamster the rat the thing, the ferret, the ferret, having to hunt down the ferret by, you know, picking things up and searching around town and doing all that stuff. None of it was optional. It was like the required mini games that you had to do. I think if they would have taken the action adventure concept with the control system, you know, made this a full on action adventure game, had quests, people you interact with. You know, a whole lot of stuff to do in the game had the mini games and stuff as something that was optional, had, um, you know, the story scene, or the, I guess, the story a little more concise and brought together. 
I don't know. That's the thing. Is I didn't expect an RPG going into this, so that's not my big complaint with the game. Is it does it doesn't do RPG things. It's just more so that it doesn't do the things that it needs to do well. And I have to say, you know, like like we talked about at the beginning, the biggest problem that we ran into with this game is that it was supposed to be a launch title. We went years without hearing anything about it. Nothing whatsoever. I remember when we first heard that, oh, well, the Crystal Bears, Crystal Bears is getting a new gameplay demo or a gameplay trailer. You know, I mean, that was big news. We hadn't heard anything from it. It hadn't been shown at E3. Nothing along those lines had really even happened. And, you know, a lot of people did think the game was canceled. And I, I wouldn't blame you for, you know, Mike himself said that, you know, we thought maybe we would have, uh, you know, a DS compatible game or something where you had to plug your DS in to play it. You know, so we went to so long without seeing anything about it. And I guess there was a new trailer in like 2007, a little bit of gameplay there, and then nothing again, again and again. And then like 2008, EGM published uh, you know, something where they thought that Square had quietly canceled the game because there was nothing. And I think them posting that kind of stirred up controversy and there was a lot of stuff going on to where people were like, has it been canceled? Has it been canceled? And finally Square... I guess they maybe had to make a decision. Are we going to cancel it? Or are we not? I don't know if the game was just stuck in development hell for all this time or development purgatory. It, it's hard to say, but I think what probably happened with this game is it got put put on the back burner too many times. They said, you know, we'll get to it, we'll do this, we'll do a few things here and there. And then when they finally had to actually push it out, they probably said, well, we need it out and we need it out now. So they didn't have enough time to fully flesh out what the game really could be. And, you know, there could have been something there. There could have been something fully fleshed out about this one, but it just didn't happen. <sighs> Am I, anybody still there? I'm here. Okay, I was hoping I hadn't been talking to myself for like the past 20 minutes and disconnected yeah. from Scott. <laughs> you have been. Yeah, but I don't know. That's that's my biggest thing about the game is that they really, really could have done something with this. Not to say it would have been a grand, glorious experience, but even something small like um, like Nintendo or like Square did with Dragon Quest Swords for the Wii. You know, it was a short little structured, you know, by the book kind of side game with a little bit to it. You know, they could have taken one of the quirky little things like the telekinetic combat and really focused wholly on that and made it something deep and made not even deep, but made it something fuller, you know, and it, it just didn't happen. And I thought the game just felt like a complete hollow, shallow mess of a game. And, you know, it's just sad because that was my biggest problem is that there are some good concepts at place here. You know, the visuals look great. You know, it does some auto saving, you know, it would have had, you know, it had voice acting. I'll let Mike talk about the music in a bit. Um, some of the music was very enjoyable. There were a few pieces that totally grated on my nerves, but some of it was really good. But, you know, the story just felt phoned in, Controls were awkward. Combat was 
know, ridiculous. So, I don't know. I'm done ranting. That's my little spiel about that. Mm. Oh, I forgot the butt bouncing <laughs> mini game. Let's let's not talk about that. <laughs> yeah. I don't know how I could have forgotten that one, but the bikini butt bouncing game with you know your little half dressed female characters up there trying to do stuff to knock people off. <sighs> Just uh, maybe the best part of the game. <laughs> I'm sorry. I- I'm done. I'll-, I'll quit being negative Nancy over here and let you all talk about you know the good parts. I like the soundtrack. I hate Catch and Throw. If you just linked me Catch and Throw that twangy little bluegrass piece from that, I swear I, I will come through Skype and punch you in the face. <laughs> I want to watch. <laughs> kindly. I'll do it kindly, though. I want to watch. Uh, whatever you just linked, I hope Phil, put, Phil puts it in there because it, it could have been a really good one. Oh, I can't. Yeah, I can't click on things while recording because that might yeah. cause problems. Uh, yeah, just don't put catch and throw in there. If you do put catch and throw in there, just add it in here because it'll be the bluegrass section. My <laughs> <sighs> oh, goodness gracious! Okay, I'm done. I'm done. Okay, all right. I have to somehow counter your massive dose of negativity. Negativity. Right. Yes. Bring the music on. Tell us the good stuff or or some before of we, it before the music. So okay. you were most likely right about how development went down. No denying that, that somehow this probably all came together pretty quickly, and whatever this game originally was got thrown in the can. Um, but, you know, whatever happened in development, I think that, um, yes, though the game may f- feel a bit disjointed. Um, what am I trying to say here? Um It's. Uh, I've lost my train of thought. I can't counter that. <laughs> much like the that development. So much negativ- negativity. Listen, it, there's a lot of mini games that aren't that great, but I think that I don't think they were necessarily thrown in there. I think that um, th- these guys obviously didn't have a lot of experience, most likely making an action adventure game like this, and. Um, I think that they're they were in there to fit certain points of the story and not necessarily hey we can do this kind of mini game and we'll throw it we'll make this story event there so I think they were more meant as ways to kind of mix things up as the story goes along rather than things that were just kind of thrown thrown in there because they had a cool idea Um, except the ship steering thing I, I don't know who, whoever's idea that was. Um, I don't know what they were thinking when they came up with that. But but anyway, um, I they can were see very. Which, I can I can see how someone could definitely go into this game and kind of feel like, oh, there's all these things to do, but you know, this game is kind of empty. Um, but at the same time, I think. Um, if you 
if you're kind of looking for something that's a little unstructured, like something, okay, you know, something like one of the Grand Theft Auto games or something like that, where you can kind of just go around and make your own fun. I think if you go into this with that sort of attitude, that you might, that you'll likely enjoy it a lot more. I think that that's kind of the point I'm trying to make. That. Um, okay. So that's probably not the best way to make a game. If you go in here and you can kind of create create your own fun, is what I'm trying to say. Kind of, there's plenty of options to, you know, if you like the combat, you can spend tons of time doing that. If you like the mini games, you can do that. Um, if you just want to wander around and pick up old ladies and throw them at cows, all the power to to you. Um, and I think that's kind of what they were going for. Um, and I think that had it been something more structured, something more like Dragon Quest Swords, that it would have just been a bland title and not experimental at all like this game ended up being. Um, there's no doubt that there's a lot of rough edges here. I mean, as much as I love the game, if you read my review, I definitely... I didn't give it a 5 out of 5 or anything close to that here. Um, I'll give you that. I think that was one thing I'll definitely say is it makes sense is if they had just made it something kind of more by the book like Dragon Quest Swords, it probably would have been so mediocre that it would have done more damage than just being completely out there. Nobody would have cared for it whatsoever, whereas you know we're at least on different polarizing sides of this debate if it had been you know maybe a little more structured nobody would have cared for it they'd have been like eh, meh yeah. this at least stood out for you whereas i couldn't stand it <laughs> had there's at least you know there's at least a ground there where you could enjoy it even if i didn't and had it been you know right there smack in the middle nobody might have cared for it it might have been so bland and boring nobody would have cared yeah. yeah, I think I think that's true. I mean, I can I can definitely see how you would absolutely hate the game. I completely understand that. Um, it's um, it's just kind of a what am I trying to say? It's just um, one of those things you'll either love or you'll hate it, which is kind of par for the course for Kawazu's games. You know, and. I think probably one of the biggest problems this game had was just having the Final Fantasy name on it. Because that comes with a lot of expectations as far as gameplay and things. You know, nobody nobody's going to buy a Final Fantasy game expecting a weird action-adventure game. Yeah. Uh, I'd definitely say, you know, while my ideas going into it might not have been the same... Somebody else going into it just on title alone might have been totally off-put because they were expecting something different. So I can see why other people might have taken it with a horrible grain of salt and been like, oh, no. Yeah, I wonder how many people return the game after playing the uh, ship-steering minigame. <laughs> I know I would have. <laughs> anyway, what... Let's let's talk about the music for a second because I think yeah finish up with the music it's the it's the highlight of the game yes um, other than catch and throw 
Still not as good as Crystal Chronicles in my the first one in my opinion, but I haven't played the game fully yet either. So, yeah, uh, I I like it more than the original, but I think maybe we just have somewhat different tastes in music. But Probably I mean, they're both they're both both excellent. What I like about this one is it just it covers so many different styles and yet somehow manages to some still feel connected. Like it doesn't sound like they made like some jazz pieces, some bluegrass pieces, which are awesome, whatever you may say, uh, and threw them together. They actually feel cohesive. And I think that's a hard thing to do. And I, and this game actually has three composers, which I, I don't know how that happened. It happens pretty often I mean, because it's, they sound like they come from the same. Well, even then, it's like I thought uh, like uh, plenty of other games like uh, Lum- the Luminous Arcs, the Arcrise fan. Actually, a lot of things by Image Epoch for some reason. Mm-hmm. They have like three or more composers and they <laughs> end up still sound. They don't sound separate. Like, it's just something that's happening more often every day. Mm-hmm. Arcrise especially. Fantastic yeah. soundtrack. Very, yeah, very yeah. good. Not as good as Crystal Chronicles, but very good. Oh, <laughs> one of my favorites of recent memory, I think, as far as the Wii goes, at least. But there there were some actual pieces in here that kind of brought back the vibe of the original. There's one piece called The Vineyard, which is one of my favorite songs on the soundtrack that kind of mixes the kind of the style of Crystal Chronicles with some of the sounds from the original game. Hmm. Uh, yeah, I heard some pieces that sound that were sounding vaguely Celtic, and maybe later on I'll hear more. But what I heard most of it is, you know, it's definitely very much bigger variety here than the very Celtic medieval sounding soundtrack of the original game. Definitely, and it definitely has more of an up, upbeat feel to it, which uh, makes sense. It takes place a yeah. thousand years later, and it's sort of steam, vaguely steampunkish. It's not medieval, period. Yeah, but there are there are also some more somber pieces like the uh the menu theme is especially fantastic. Which is the the, the first thing that really kind of caught me when I first fired up that game, that nice menu theme. That's a, like a that's a, a an instrumental version of a vocal song in there, isn't it? Yes, it is. And there and- are there's there's a few not too many, but there's a few vocal pieces in there that are quite good. Yeah, the first game had two vocal pieces, and they're sung by the same woman. I don't know about the rest of them, but that one, Cool Tot, I think it's in Finnish, in uh, Crystal Bears, but they're all, they're all sung by Donna Burke. Uh, very, you know, she's got a really nice voice on her, I think. Oh, yeah. So the, I think we're definitely in agreement that the soundtrack is, I think it's one of, the, one of the best I've heard in years. I don't know about you guys. I have to hear more of it. Maybe get the soundtrack <laughs> itself before I really fully make my opinion, but as of now, it's still not as good as the original Crystal. <laughs> yeah, I can't say that it's the one of the best soundtracks ever by any means, but I thought it was definitely the highlight of the game. Yeah, for, it, at least one of the highlights. That's what I put on there. Is some of the music was very enjoyable, some of it was very grating. How it was used in game, not always fantastic, um, but some of the more dramatic moments, if you can call them that. Uh, they did piece together the soundtrack quite well with that. So Definitely. So I'm not totally full of venom on this. <laughs> <laughs> but you definitely don't like the bluegrass 
No. Can't say I hate bluegrass. I just didn't like it in this game. All righty. Well, I think that's a lot of thoughts on one game there. I think we pretty much have covered the bases. Yeah, I think the Crystal Bears got the most taught, didn't it? <laughs> just, yeah. just, just by a little bit. More than the first and, and the rest of them, even the first game. I don't know if that's a good thing or not. <laughs> it's funny because it's the shortest out of all. Yeah. If you go straight through anyway. Mm-hmm. Okie dokie. Well, we're going to take a short little break, and when we come back, we'll go ahead and wrap this one up with the final lap. Final lap theme song. Why don't one of y'all think sing a final lap theme song? Just play catch and throw. That <laughs> would be a great one. There you go. Yeah, that's oh, wow. second, second link I put up. But you, yeah. you still have to sing through the whole thing. Like this is the final lap. You know, it's got to be themed. No, I think catch and throw would work. You ought to listen to it real quick and just hear. It sounds very final lapish. Mm-mm. Well. Um, so we only had a couple of teeny tiny comments about our last RPG Backtrack episode, Two Dimensional Thinking, where we were talking about all of those wonderful vanillaware games and whatnot. I believe there is a comment on here from Cassandra Ramos herself. <laughs> yeah. And all I'm going to tell you is that you need to go out and buy Muramasa anyways. I'm, I'll buy it used that way Image Epoch doesn't get that. Not Image Epoch, oh dear. Um, uh, that way Ignition that money. Ignition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, else bought it. Yeah, <laughs> that is a shame because that game is actually enjoyable. Wait, I mean, this sounds completely childish, but I don't want to buy anything from there where they don't put any blasted effort into it. I mean, good lord, you've got Atlas and you've got Xseed, you've got NIS. Even Nintendo puts a great amount of effort into their localization. Yeah. And they, you know, Put it through, um, uh, get, you know, Babblefish and have, you know, a monkey check it for edits and then <laughs> put it out there. Did, like, uh, sorry. Did, uh, did, if, if a store, if the, for a store to have games in stock, the store actually buys the games wholesale first, right? I think. I, 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 I mean, I'm not, a, I, I don't work in a store, but I'm pretty sure that they probably buy the product first and then they turn around and sell it at a markup. So chances are you going and buying it from a store this far after the fact is not going to trigger a store buying another shipment of these things. So I think they pretty much got all the money they're going to get out of Muramasa. And the only person you'll be supporting now is just whoever you, you buy the thing from. It, it, you don't have to worry about your money getting to Ignition somehow. Yeah, I, like I said, I'm, I'm, this is, I'm mostly doing it. I, I'm mostly joking, of course. I don't like Ignition, but uh, 
I will pick it up eventually. <laughs> it's it's a principle. It's the principle of that. It's the yeah. principle. Yeah. Well, I I I finished up. Uh, yay! I finished a game. Um, I finished up <laughs> one of the uh, characters actually just last night, and yeah, the localization just so bad. They they, they just I don't care about the story now. Just look, just hurry up and show me the ending screen so I can save. So if I ever get bored in the future and I want to play the other character, I can. Uh, yeah, the the story is just I, I can't make heads or tails of it. It's it's just so poorly written. <sighs> I think it's actually worse than the Archive Fantasia. It, it is. It is because Archive Fantasia, I, I could actually understand what was going yeah. on. <laughs> yeah. It was sometimes confusing and sometimes terribly dull, but at least you could understand what was going on most of the time. But, but this other, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to. Mermasa is like based on a lot of like. Japanese lore and stuff, and translation certainly doesn't help you out with any of that at all. Not to mention, there's this other guy named Wheels on here who tells this strawberry eggs person that, you know, that she should really pay Muramasa too, because it's such a pretty game. Oh yeah, it's gorgeous. I mean, I was running, when I was running through, even last night, I've been playing it now for 12 hours, and I'm just like, gosh, this game is still gorgeous. You know, so you, you, you said you're the kind of person who likes to stop and smell the roses and the flowers and the birds and the bees. Well, <laughs> holy cow, you've got them all there because they're all flittering in the background and flowing in the background and stuff. You know, sometimes you stop and buy uh, food and eat it. And as I mentioned in the last cast, uh, it gets to – at least it's gotten to a point for me where I have no purpose to stop and eat uh, in the restaurants anymore because it just gives you a, a crap load of spirit and I've already got piles and piles of the stuff. But sometimes I just stop and eat in the restaurant because the food looks so good on the screen. It's almost like I'm there. <laughs> then I realize I'm putting the cat in my mouth, and I realize I've probably taken it a little too far. <laughs> Patooey. Uh, it is fun, though. I remember playing that one a while back, and I, I enjoyed the game itself, even if the localization and the other drama surrounding the localization might not have been the best. Yeah, it's still fun to go back and just beat this, the stuffings out of those ninjas sometimes. It's a lot of fun. It's fun to play. It's just fun to pick up and play. It's, it's it, it, you know, it's it's not going to be your, your epic RPG of the year or anything like that, but um, we would like to hear from you. Help us have more interesting conversations during the segment by posting your own comments at board.rpgamer.com Tell them, Hey, I have a comment. Tell them Phil sent you. We don't care about your comments anymore, Mike. Oh. Okay, tell them Phil sent Okay, what's your comment? My comment is, since we recorded that episode, um, a bunch of Vanillaware stuff has happened, which is kind of weird. Such as? Ooh. Such as. X, X, yep, XSeed announced that they'll be localizing Grand Knight history. Is that? Grand, Grand Knight's history. Grand Knight's history. And also, just today, um, Odin Sphere and what? Grim Grimoire. Grimoire. Both came out on PSN, like out of nowhere. Like, like they're on PSN. They're on, on PSN. PlayStation Two games. Wait, on wait. PSN. I'm trying to wrap my head around this. PS Two <laughs> games on PSN. Yep. Yes. Emulated PS Two games. I, I, now, yes. Like a few days ago, randomly, like this came out of the blue, and one of the first two of the first few PS Two classics were Odin Sphere and Grim Grimoire. They're ten bucks, nine ninety nine. Wow! You also uh, there's you know not RPGs but Maximo, Ghost to Glory, Ring of Red, and God Hand. Ring of Red and God, gosh, I've got all those games on disc, but I've got a backwards compatible system. But uh, that's nice, huh? 
I, I wonder. Odin's, Odin's Sphere is huge, though. It's 3 gig, 3.2 gigs. Grim Grimoire is 1.33. I wonder if you still get the slowdown. I wonder if they got emulated that slowdown in Odin's Sphere. That's a good right. question. Wow. Okay, apps, that's your, that's your weekend assignment. Why don't you go download it, play it. Let me know if that slowdown is still there. Sure. Yeah. Uh, Apparently, from what I'm reading online, is that at least God Hand, which was notable for having slowdown, apparently still has slowdown. All right. It yes. It looks like it's emulated, but I, don't I, I like my emulated slowdown. It helps on the boss battles. Oh, well, interesting. Um, load time should be better. <laughs> you would think. They probably emulated that, too. Please wait. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, and do us a favor. Everybody who's listening to this, go leave us some comments on iTunes. Don't ask me how you do it, but but you should do it anyways, because that's what that's what Chris is always telling me to do when I listen to his podcast. Yeah. Um, anything you guys would like to share with the audience? Anything you're doing? Anything you want to plug? Either you know, what are you doing on RP Gamer? Are you doing something outside of RP Gamer? You're you're just playing something fun? So anything on your mind or chest you want to get off of it? Let's start with Miss Cassandra Ramos. Uh, I just want to mention one weird little one. You're going to find this extremely weird about me and Crystal Chronicles. The very first game was also my very first Final Fantasy. I played before I played any of the actual mainline games or any of the other better, you know, better established spin-offs. Oh, heathen, I'm kicking you off yeah. the channel. Bye. Hey. Go back and play a real Final Fantasy game. Call that your I first played, one. I played one through six. I, well, you need, like, to, you need to go back in time, though, and oh, play huh? one and make that your virgin game. Oh, cool. Yeah. Can't have your... F- no, I'm not going to say that. I'm, I'm going I'm to be a good boy. All right. But other than that, uh, I have, I, a while ago, picked up um, Luminous Arc 3 Eyes. I imported it. I'm sorry. Luminous Arc 3? I'm sorry. Uh, well, I'm not. <laughs> One and two were fun in their own way. No, they I weren't. Couldn't. They put me to sleep. <laughs> well, they didn't me. I actually quite enjoyed them. But anyway. So, and I've started playing it. I don't, I barely know any Japanese. I know random, like, like a like a uh, maybe about a hundred, under a hundred random words, so I'm completely going to this blind largely. Uh, I there's I can't really say much. It's only up to the chapter four. Uh, the battle system is pretty much identical, although the top screen shows a very elaborate means of showing the uh, action, like the order of attack for each unit. Uh, you can actually wander. You can actually walk around this uh, school the characters are in instead of just you know going from scene to scene to scene or you know, using a menu to move about a town or something. Uh, there's more, more in the way of uh, the, those sort of dating, quote-unquote, dating sim elements. Although, I, I, like I said, I'm still going to his blinds. So I have no idea what I'm choosing is uh, <laughs> or not. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so far, this is interesting. I'm possibly, yeah, I, I'm open to the idea of maybe doing a review of this game if I think I can either ignore the story and just write it or maybe get enough of it. <laughs> through just guessing what's going on and maybe looking what I can find online to write it. I, this is just an if. For now, I'm just playing it. I might start a, one of those uh, re, those uh, review threads on the forums for it. I'll, I'll probably start that maybe in a tomorrow or so and just to jump out of ideas. But yeah, so far, it's uh, interesting. It's, uh, I, can't tell, I can't tell yet how it will com- compare to the other Luminous Arcs, except 
uh, they did something that I just basically facepalm. There's uh, one, they did that, the, the, the tired old, uh, the main character accidentally gropes one, you know, the, the busty uh, female character and she gets extremely mad at him. Just like, even the first Luminous Arcs never did that. I mean, come on. Have a little class here. Well, they were always kind of on the, um, not really the edge. They weren't really cutting edge as much as anything, but they were always a little more sexual, I guess, tension. Oh, but they, at, least they, at least they did it without being very blatant about it. That's just like, you know, that's, just, that's the kind of thing that makes me go, ugh, not this again. Hmm. But yeah, otherwise, yeah, this could be interesting. I'll just have to see what I can do. But I can't really follow the story much, so mm-hmm. we'll see. Mm-hmm. Cool, cool. Mr. Apps. Well, I'm, of course, doing QA, Q&A as usual. So please write in some letters. My stock is low. And um, I'm also staring at a copy of Dark Souls that is demanding to be played. Play me! Play me, Mr. Apps, so I can kick your ass over and over! <laughs> I'm ready to kill you. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much accurate, actually. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> cool. Mr. Cunningham. I'll finish up with a few things. Um, first off, I guess... Uh, it probably wouldn't be too much to talk about the Kingdoms of Amor Reckoning, because this really doesn't touch the topic that we've been talking on at all, but got an event hands-on with that game. Really awesome Western RPG. Can't wait to play it fully. Um, got a write-up on that on the site. Um, been playing Dragon Quest Monsters Joker 2. Yeah. Uh, actually a fantastic game. Um, so much better you, than the original. Oh, yeah, is if it? Did, if you didn't like the original Joker, don't worry. Um, because this one is a lot more streamlined, a lot better. Um, and I guess that's all I'll say about that. I've been making a... I've got a little slime team that's slime brigade. It's going quite well. Enjoying that game a lot. And last of all, you said stuff that doesn't have to do with the site. Um, the former hosts of this podcast, the, the founders, uh, myself and John Self, niced on the boards. Uh, we've kind of got our own little side project that we've been working on, uh, just a little blog that we do. Um, we asked for blogs for staff from our dev team for going on over a year now, and that never happened, so we just said, <laughs> so I, just, I said forget it and just started a blog of my own, and I got John to help out too, because this is the kind of stuff he likes to write about, but uh, pocket-console.com, pocket uh, just a little blog where we talk about, you know, PSP, 3DS, Vita, DS games, anything that's portable gaming and not mobile phone gaming, basically, is what we're talking about here. And it's just, you know, it's not an, another site, per se, but it's just kind of our own personal opinions, what we like about the games, stuff we find interesting. Um, you know, we just kind of started that up on the side and kind of enjoying doing that as a kind of an outlet for the non-professional stuff that we got going on. So that's all I've got. Sounds like so it's it's complementary to the site maybe. Mm-hmm. All right. I've linked I've linked quite a few things that RP Gamer has posted and on there. So 
it's not a competing site by any means. It's just a little side blog we do where we talk about stuff that's not RPGs, you know, just anything related to uh, pocket console, portable console stuff. Cool, cool. Uh, let's see. Um, I can share my experience. Uh, just a few days ago, I had uh, a board game night at my house. Invited some friends from uh, from work over and uh, my Pathfinder group. We played um, Ticket to Ride, which is a really excellent family uh, board game. If the last board game you play was Monopoly or chess or something silly like that, you really need to try out some of these more modern board games because uh, they're a lot more fun. And uh, and everybody loves Ticket to Ride. It's it's always a great way to get people into board games. Uh, played, uh, yeah, oh yeah, it's a fun time. You should come over and play sometime, Apps. Uh, it's a bit of a commute. Nah, <laughs> just jump on the next plane. And uh, let's see, we played uh, Dominion. So that's always a fun one too. Great card game, uh, kind of a collectible card game. Except you do the collecting while you're playing the game. And you know, I've gotten too old to keep up with like Match the Gathering and all the different versions of the cards you got to buy and swap and trade and and whatnot. I mean, it's kind of cool because that is part of the game. <laughs> You've got ten cards that you can buy that are out on the table, and you start off with a deck with uh, with so many cards, and there's some currency in that little small deck. So every turn you pull some cards, you pull some currency, you buy a new card, and you add it to your deck. You shuffle everything, and you rinse and repeat to come up with a deck that's eventually good enough to buy the really cool victory cards that you need to beat the game or beat your friend or whatever. So that's really cool. And then last but not least, a little-known uh, adventure game called uh, Redemption. It's, uh, you know, if you look it up online, it's, it, it's religiously themed, uh, but you don't need to know anything about religion in the Bible to actually play it. The game mechanics would have worked with just about any setting, uh, but you basically... Uh, uh, you're a character. It's a very uh, light RPG board game that can be done in 45 minutes or less. Your objective is to go in the city and search through rooms to try to save lost souls. But oftentimes they're guarded by big bad monsters uh, and bad guys and whatnot. And that's where you have to start rolling dice and looking at the strength of your character. And uh, as you go through, you'll gain enhancements to make your character even more powerful. Whoever saves six souls first and make it to the center of the board wins the game uh this game i it's a it's an rpg board game which you know if you kind of throw it out there like that you'll turn millions of people off and they'll go back to playing yahtzee but when you sit down you just have them sit down and play it i haven't found a person yet that doesn't instantly become addicted to it even my my mother plays uh redemption and we played it so much we wore out the dice and i had to buy a new copy of the game so, and that's no lie. You can come over and see the blank dice. It's hilarious. You can wear out dice, apparently. <laughs> Whew. So, board game nights. They have a fun, fun way to get with uh, some of your friends who have no life on Friday nights. If we have any. <laughs> if you have any what? Friends? Oh, friends. if you have, because that's right, you don't have any friends. That are board games, either one. <laughs> yeah, or board games. Yeah, yeah, well, you know, they're they're cheaper than a new video game, most part. You, know, you see people complain, like, $50 for a board game! Well, stop looking at the $12 Monopoly set. <laughs> Look at that $50 Gears of War you just bought, and yeah, you can have this really cool board game that lasts for hours, and... Oh, yeah. Uh, there's some really deep ones, too. I, I've, I've been looking at Descent. I don't know if any of y'all have played that. But, uh, holy cow, does that look like a bloody deep RPG uh, board game combination dealy. Anywho... Um. Hmm. Anything else? Yeah. No. Well, I've got something. I've got. I've got something else to say. 
Uh, RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and comments on our boards or email jcservant at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. As always, listen to our previous podcasts as well as our awesome sister shows, RPG Sanctum and RPG Cast, all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Minky isn't here to put us to bed tonight with one of his ready, witty repertoires and quotes and all that other fun stuff, so I'll just say nothing. Yeah, that's it. Good night. <laughs> Good night. Bye. Bye.